Hello, everybody. And before we get to this week's episode, let me thank once again the Second Print Comics Podcast and the awesome host, Mark M. Remzo, for sponsoring this week's show. And what you have to do right now, you're listening to this podcast, you have to be listening to it on some sort of podcast player. Type in Second Print Comics right now, and their podcast will pop up. Subscribe to it. And then listen to every show as it drops on Wednesday. And they have two main shows. The SPC reissued show, which is a comic book discussion podcast, kind of like ours, but with a little more pizzazz and a lot more charisma. I'll tell you that. And this past week, they ended up discussing the comic, The Town Called Terror, something that I wasn't quite aware of after listening to it. I ended up checking it out, so I thank them for that. And you'll find out that that happens a lot. Their enthusiasm and the way they end up going through these comics, they do get you inspired to check them out yourself, which is awesome. They also have the SPC Pop Show, where they do TV movie reviews, interviews. This past week, they did do a review of the movie Wakanda Forever, so you can check that out as well, as well as all of their back-issued stuff. You have a ton of podcasts just waiting for you there on their feed, but not just podcasts because they're not lame like Eric Shea, right? You don't just have to listen to the Second Print Comics podcast. You can actually watch it because they are two sexy guys. I will tell you right now. And you go over to YouTube and they end up doing all their shows on YouTube as well. And you can find that Easy peasy, just search out Second Print Comics on YouTube and make sure to enable the notifications so that you know when the new shows are going to drop. And then you tune in and see their sexy faces. I just want to hit that again. Sexy, I tell you, charisma. Also, go and check out their Twitter and Instagram at Second Print Pod. Go to their website at secondprintcomics.com. And last but not least, join me. On their Patreon, patreon.com slash secondprintpod. I am one of their patrons, and you know why? Because they don't just beg for money. They put in the work. That means a lot to me. But also, overall, not just the Patreon, but even just the regular podcast, they treat their fans, their listeners with respect, and treat them like a family. And that actually is something very, very important to me. I can kind of sniff that out. I can go right here and say that Mark and Remzo are great guys, and they really do do things right. They do all of this right, and please check them out. And, yeah, from the bottom of my heart, thanks once again, Mark and Remzo, for sponsoring this episode, and away we go. Welcome back to the only show that breaks down, cracks up, skews, and reviews each week's DC Comics. I'm the Deuce of Diamonds, Eric Shea. And I'm the purveyor of positivity, Jim Warner. And this is the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast, episode number 474. I'm back, Eric. I'm the purveyor of positivity here, Look, ready I'm for when I see it. All, all these you great me too books. often. Ooh-wee, one better than the other, Eric. I'm just happy that we end up being able to use some songs and, you know, sing and dance and have all sorts of fun. But hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast. All you weirdos, 
please, uh, as we get into this, go over to Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us. We'll follow you on back. Go to our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, to get written reviews from Gabe. And then go over to, say, the YouTubes at our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics. And then finally go to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science. Not just to support us, but that'd be nice, right? But also yeah. to get a ton more of shows, including something that I think I'm going to enter into this podcast tonight. I'm going to sneak in something that gives you a little bit of a taste of some things that we end up doing Excuse me over while on the out. Patreon. And it also has to do with this week's episode as well. So I think it'll be pertinent and all that stuff and everybody all have fun. But one of the big things that we do each and every week, we talk about it each time. We have our podcast is our Patreon only spotlight. Two books picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. And this week they picked, uh, are these big ones? Tim Drake, Robin, number six, was it? And number star- five. Yeah, six. Okay, yeah, right. it's weird. It seems like five, though. When I saw that, I thought five. But maybe I'm getting it mixed up with something else. I don't know, Eric. But Stargirl of the Lost Children, number four. As well, we ended up talking about those. We tried to enjoy the Tim Drake Robin. At one point, you, during reading it, you thought, oh, my God, this is going to be a pretty... Ah, then it fell apart. But we talked about that. And we do enjoy the Stargirl, the Lost Children, as well, for the fun and the characters and all that. But to listen to that, go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. And we have a plethora of books tonight. And when I ended up kind of figuring out the sections i send them to you i think that they work out pretty well what i sent you and what we're going to be doing but i always forget those oversized issues with action comics also the batman versus robin i'm like holy moly this first section of books it's gonna take us forever eric but here we are to do it i did notice (laughs) well maybe i did notice though that last week's episode being one of the longer ones that we've had in, in a bit it ended up getting a ton more downloads. Maybe people are like, man, I want to I want to get back to the good old days of those 13-hour podcasts. I thought Eric will probably be into that. Why not, yeah, Eric? Let's just go. Not? We'll start right now, and we'll just keep going to like 7 a.m. It will be awesome. We'll see the sunrise together, hold hands. I mean, just like two bros and possibly two bros fun. Two bros might. I wish I, I got rid of the two bros sound effect because you don't like it. So I ended up, and then I bring up two bros. That's how you play the game, Eric. The wolf We're going to have Wolfmen tonight. We're going to have it all. But one of the big things that we already talked about, the badasses of the Get Fresh crew, who get to pick the weekly spotlight books and a whole lot more. This is for them. This is the badass roll call, Eric. Here we go. Here we go. And we're going to start off with Michael Jordan. It's funny. Last week, we ended up mentioning Miguel Jordan. We did not mean Michael here, uh, one of the badasses. That was another guy. Eric K, double K, Jeffrey Greek, Stephen Bat, Dad Mitchell, The Annihilator, Ted Probst, I Love Punchline, Stork, Michael S., Cam, Matt Razor, D-Man 3000, Francisco L. Rock III, Niels Tewart, David Fink, Stephen Baum, Jason Colby, Sue 42, to you and me, Michael G, Ken Halleck, Comic Boom Rocky, our friend down south, Dixie, Dixie Normus, Eric, I finally get one. That one actually is like I could crack that code. But you had to do homework beforehand to make sure. (laughs) I did. 
And speaking of which, you end up having Zatanna talk backwards magic this week. Uh, I had no idea what she was saying at one point, and it was very basic. Mark Jager, Ruben, Carlos, Noah Marv, Matthew uh, Rapier, Luke Hollywood, Simon, Luis, Manship, Andrew and Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Million, my man Pete from NYC, Batman Beyond Mark, Brandy Murray, Double A Ron, doxing his ass up there in Minnesota. Eric, I, I was trying to find that again, you know, because I needed to do that now end, that we're almost at the end. But I still want to dox Double A Ron in Minnesota with the music playing. It doesn't seem right without that. But there you go. And a shout out and kind of a sad note, a shout out to Reggie, who's ultimate yeah. badass. But we have to add another Rob Lewis. Unfortunately, our man Rob Lewis did pass away this week. And it, it sucks. And I'm telling you, I didn't know if we should bring it up or whatnot. But I thought, yes, we, we should bring it up. Definitely. I'm, I'm getting choked up. I can't help I can it. Hey, Rob Lewis, yeah. he... You know, he's a badass. He was always there to support us, a friend. I consider him one of our family members, especially just how the podcast goes and everything with that. But it is, it's tough. He told me a couple months ago that he was sick. And unfortunately, when I told you, and he, he said, you can tell Eric, and I think he even told you as well. Yeah. But the idea is what he had, and it's not my place to go into that many details, whatever, but what he had, it's tough. Not a lot of people come back from, but he stayed pretty positive about it. And he was talking to me. He was sending me, you know, notes. He'd always bitch and moan that I didn't have the spotlight up on time. Or the other thing that he'd always message me, he wouldn't say like, hey, I want to listen to the early access show, so get off your ass and do it. He would just end up messaging me, should I go to sleep? And, I was like, <laughs> and I'd always joke and I'd be like, eh, it's up to you, I guess. But and I knew it. So then I would start sending him like little sections of it. And then the next thing I get is, you know, Harry, his wife, she's pissed. She wanted me to go to bed. She's sick of hearing <laughs> you singing songs. So it's one of those things that every week I hear from him and we talk about some things or whatever. And this past week, suddenly I didn't hear from him. And I, I got worried, but it's one of those things. Things are happening, whatnot. And then I heard that he did pass. So it's it's a sad time uh, a sad thing for the get fresh crew and all of us but just to give you some fun memories of rob that he would laugh about i i actually forgot that when he first started talking to us remember when he would send us all those photos of him at work but he oh, was yeah. watching movies and he'd be like, <laughs> look at me and he's like watching bill and ted or then he's watching then that became the deal where he ended up working i could say he worked at the albany state capitol and unfortunately, it seemed like a lot of people clogged the toilets there. And he would send me pictures of clogged toilets, like, and write, man, these animals here, whatnot. And I don't know why it made me laugh so much that this guy was sending me pictures of just poop in a toilet. And then I'd show Tanya and she'd get mad at me. Uh, but yeah, we'd get that. And he always did uh, appreciate the parody songs. And one of the big things that he'd tell me is when he'd hear the actual song, and didn't really realize that there was an actual song, and he'd end up, oh, my God, I ended up hearing this. And one of his favorites was Dancing Mike's reviews, uh, Jim's reviews. And yeah. he told me that he would go around the house singing it, and his granddaughters, that him and his wife were raising their granddaughters. And he ended up like, they're always yelling at me, who's this Jim, and what is he reviewing? Because he'd go and, and sing. <laughs> I want to so, know, too. Oh, yeah, really, really. Uh, they didn't ask about you, strangely, though, Eric. Uh, luckily, Rob, about Shay. Well, luckily, Rob wasn't going around singing the diss songs because they're a little sus. But 
It's it's really sad. It's a sad thing. And I know that if there is such a place, whatever, he's probably with Reggie now bitching and moaning about us. They they definitely would be making fun of us. But hopefully he's at a, a better place and all of that. But a shout out to Rob. We'll mention him each week like Reggie because, yeah, he'll ultimate be missed. Badass. He'll be yeah. missed. He's an ultimate badass indeed. So on that note. Always remembered. We'll get out. I think that he would want us to have some fun with the podcast, but it's tough. It actually even the spotlight this week, I kind of felt a little down because we had kind of just heard of that. But we're going to move on. We're going to do books. Remember one of Rob Lewis's big things you can remember from now on. He was pissed off that there were so many Joker books. He hates the Joker. He don't he <laughs> send me messages like, why do we have to have this many Joker books? Then we'd get a backup. He'd be pissed. But that's that. But yeah, thanks a lot. Shout out to Rob Lewis. Everybody think of him and his family. And we'll go off now to the books. With an ancient deed in their hand Walking through the streets of Gotham in the rain They brought a big guy with them They call Gil Ten Claw He's got the old asthma running in his veins Two-Face standing at the door Does she not go in? Ubu got mutilated late last night Werewolves in Gotham again Ah, yes, Eric, the Wolfman. We got the Wolfman in the house. The one good thing about Ram V is if you end up having a parody song for his story, you're going to be able to play that thing for a long, long time. <laughs> that thing is going to keep on going. It's the hiss that keeps on story. giving. Holy my, oh my, Eric. Never-ending story. You ended up wanting me to do that. We were going to do that about uh, Bendis. And then I started on it, and I took too long, and then he hasn't done anything since, Eric. Plus, it wasn't working out very well. It wasn't going well. I don't know. Now that I've gotten out of the basement and moved on up like a George Jefferson to the penthouse there in the sky, I end up having my voice back a little. I just don't really have a lot of ideas. (laughs) That's the problem. I I lost the ideas and got back the voice there. But we'll see. We'll see. You you keep giving me some ideas that I uh, might end up doing. But. We end up starting off the section with werewolves in Gotham so that we can jump into the first book, which is Action Comics. And that's yeah. one of the things that we ended up doing. It was kind of a, a big switch for us. Me and you, we don't like change. And we've always had Detective before Action, but we're going to go with the this idea the that DC. it is the dawn of DC. And we're going to make these books earn their keep, Eric. You're not going to be the first book if you don't deserve being the first book. 
So yeah, we're going to go with the Dawn of DC Action Comics first. If you want to read written reviews for these, go over to our website, weirdsciencedccomics.com, and check those out. They're reviews by Gabe, so they might be a little sus, but hey, give it a try. That's what I say. (laughs) You know what I love about this is we're joking, and we say that, or are we? But we end up doing... It's just going down the Ryan path again. Eventually, Gabe's going to get so mad at me that he's going to start cursing me out. But hey, I deserve it, Eric. But we're going to jump right into this. We have a bunch of books, plethora, but also a couple oversized things. So, Eric, get us into this Dawn of DC. What are we talking about first? Action Comics number 1052 with our first story, The House of Metallo, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Rafa Sandoval, Matt Herms, and Dave Sharp. And in this, we see our Superman family continuing the idea that we have to take on Metallo, even though this this part of our story, it's a little odd because a lot of it's a flashback while our heroes pretty much stand around and talk about what they're going to do next. Now, the Steelworks has been not even destroyed because even the, the top part, the part for the tourist was blown to hell, but all the important stuff, all the important parts, though, they're still working. So we're going to do a little cleanup and all of the experiments are going to go back to normal. To me, uh, this is just my thing. The first floor, tourists, uh, don't go, don't have them have to go up elevators and things to get to the top to have the most dangerous of the deal. I'm in the attic, Eric. I'm like George Jefferson. You don't need the tourists to be like that. And why don't they get off like, you know, floor three, Mr. Tyler going down like that sort of thing, right? Ooh. Next thing you know, they're, they're in the middle of experiments. You don't need that. Plus, if things go wrong at any of the floors, then, then I guess everybody's in trouble anyway if it, it goes down at Steelworks. But it's a weird play. Like you said, you have this kind of flashback feeling, hey, what are we going to do with that? The thing that I liked about this and the thing that I actually do appreciate by the end of this first story is that as I'm reading it, I'm sitting there thinking, come on now, we're going to DC. We just really enjoyed the Superman book where Lex says, hey, I'm joining up with you. I'm going to end up making the super squad. Hey, mercies. And I thought, wait a second. This is not going to jive very well overall once Superman. Now, maybe they're playing that. But in this, you do have it spelled out that Superman is checking out things. And while Metallo seems to think that he's working for Lex, at least on the surface, it seems to Superman that's not the case, that somebody else is pulling the strings and maybe tricking John Corbin into thinking that. It's a weird thing because throughout that Superman issue that we had going on for the other Dawn of DC Superman book, you know, we had Lex whispering to Superman who was eavesdropping on the conversation the entire time he was doing superheroics throughout Gotham. Now, when we see that he's looking in on Lex, who's just kind of sitting in his prison cell. So obviously he can't be doing this. Like, is his ass whispered into like a lapel microphone into the fellow's <laughs> head? Like, are you like, are you just looking or are you listening but as well, But again, Superman? I think that he might be listening, but he looked at the exact time and Lex, you know, he's paging through some catalogs and, and things. idea, because Metallo during the fight lets it slip that Luther is involved. So Superman wants to get to the bottom of this. Is Luther involved behind bars? It doesn't look like that to him. And that's a compelling idea because it doesn't, if he is, it doesn't really jive with what's currently going on in the new Superman book going out where Super, like Lex Luthor wants Superman's help to fight Lex Luthor's villains that are coming after him. So like having Metallo here, ultimately seeming like he wants to kill Superman on behest of Lex, who has kidnapped, you know, Lex's sister, I mean, uh, Metallo's sister, 
and actually sent her to prison too. Maybe it seems like I don't even know how that even plays off. And then even throwing out that Superman ended up transferring her to another prison. There's that crazy like, thing well, going that, on. That just seems like a lie to me that somebody said to Metallo. And but like, is this all? Like, could it still be Lex and it's just an AI system that's programmed in Metallo's head? That's you know continuing on with the Lex directive of what he had, what's going on. Well, Lex just kind of like lays out in his cell, just kind of reading a book. Like, is that still going on? But this whole thing. I need this. I need it to be somebody else at this point, even though it didn't seem like that for the whole lead up because it doesn't jive with what's going on in Superman. And I hate that aspect. So I'm hoping that it does play off. I just don't know how it plays off well for what we saw Brainiac. from Metallo getting a new body. That's from what like, I you know, say. the whole thing with Lex Luthor being in the flesh at that point in time, putting John Corbin through the motions to become Metallo again. And maybe we find out again that that was a dupe, maybe something. And why I say this, and I think you'll agree. The action comics and Superman don't always jive together. I mean, right now, is Detective right now and Batman should, jiving? They're not. They're not even close. And so they, and that's my point. I don't, at times they don't, but boy, at times when they do, it ups the ante for both of them. And that's what I think this can do, especially even if it's just obviously this one Bill Kenny Johnson story in this that jives with the Joshua Williamson. Superman, I like that aspect. I think it's cool. It elevates everything. And it gets to that point that I really like where there's must-read books. And it's not just two books. There's more and more. And as we get this done at DC, hopefully, you know, everybody likes all the books. And we're all reading and getting excited again. Like, it seemed at Rebirth and things like that. So when you do connect them, it, it does elevate both stories. And then you kind of play off each. And that's cool. I do like that. And I hope that that is the case like you said and they do end up they kind of hinted that down the line there might be a brainiac story and this might all tie into that and if you see like down the line that we go oh my god we should have seen this coming that's the best like you even talk about past stories where you'll say man when i was a kid and i was reading this i didn't even realize but they were slow building for two oh, yeah. years to get this to this. and oh my god it was great and then, dropping hints and names here that'll become relevant a year later yeah, and what you end up having then, which we don't really get that feeling from DC right now, is that idea of them being smart about things, setting things up, not just throwing it at you. And then if you do end up having events and things, it, it makes them better because you're already involved. It's not just thrown at you. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But up until the point when Superman says, well, I looked in, I'm like, oh, this feels off. This doesn't feel like it fits with what happened and then it oh kind of does and then yeah. i was like now it does and I, i'm glad and like you said even if lex is not on the up and up and is doing this he's hiding it which i'm okay with that but i i don't i want it to be somebody else i do i i like that idea of lex even though he's sus he, he is trying to do things yeah <laughs> or it could be like tech brady stuff i don't know uh, one of the things that I'll give a shout out to, and it's a shout out to a guy I think you know, Eric Shea. Oh. Uh, one of the things you said right away that these people protesting, they weren't the protesting Earthers? the super family. They were right. protesting the war world refugees. But, yeah. Not many people seem to get that. Uh, you no. were one of the few that got that. I even was talking to some people who had another podcast. Now I'll, I'll tell you, they were very nice about it. They ended up because they were talking on the podcast like, I don't know. I, why are they against Superman family? They don't even know. And I, I just sent them a note. And they said, oh, my God, that makes sense. Thanks for, you know, they were nice. They were nicer than I would have been, right? So with that, when you get into this and it's spelled out right away, I think that maybe somebody told Phil Kenny Johnson, listen, you got to be a little more 
on the nose with this, especially for a new dawn of DC. Yeah, and it's a big part of the story with these blue earthers, you know, pretty much not liking the refugees, hating the aliens. And I, I hope that one Earth of these things humans. that comes in. You, you know, what's funny is because it almost reminds me of that play where back in the day you, you have some sus people. Oh, my God, I hate this bunch of people and that bunch of people. But yet they'll end up loving, say, like a Michael Jordan as a basketball player. It was one of the things that they did in the movie, Do the Right Thing. And like, oh, I hope that these people kind of go with, well, they're sus, so I don't hope anything. But the idea like, well, it, Superman's an alien. Oh, no, no, I, I don't consider him that and then them to be really told by Superman. No, no, you guys are jerks. Like, you know, I'm an alien. They're the deal. I wonder if it's going to play that deep into it because they still don't seem to be against Superman as much. I don't know. I think they're still against Superman to a degree. Here's the thing, though. I think that there's levels of them. They're happy with the Kryptonians they have now because they're doing good. But now I don't want an entire war world worth of refugees coming down now here. Now that's and my again, job. That's the thing. <laughs> Get out of here taking our jobs. Yeah, they're yelling and screaming. But I think that when you have Metallo coming at the end, he's like, yeah, we're going to take care of the sticking aliens. I don't know that those guys are full out of wanting to fight Superman. It's easier to fight just war world refugees and things like that. But yeah, I, also, bulletproof. I also appreciate the idea that this is continuing the story with, you know, Phil Kenny Johnson and the war world stuff. But it's not so deep that if you end up, you know, not reading it, if you just jump in Dawn of DC, it's easy to kind of get the idea of, you know, hate, unfortunately, is easy to understand. So you just go with it. But if you have read it, it makes it bigger. But one of the things, too, at the beginning that me and you discussed, I think it was on the uh, spotlight, the mm-hmm. idea of Superman being powered up more. And right. we said, do you think that this is still a thing? And I, I said they didn't say it was. And I don't know. It was in that 150, all that. Metallo says it. He says, hey, but I need them to I tell me what it means now. Oh, you want to you want to oh, know yeah. what exactly that means? It's just like I mean, here's the thing: you're you're well, talking to the strongest like Earth, guy of all time, right? Look and, at this. It turns out ever since I had that Genesis fragment, like my Earth Two cousin Karen Starr, I am now telepathic, more powerful. Do you think that what he's saying is Kryptonite doesn't affect him anymore because he is fighting John and ends up where Kryptonite is bathing him at one point, and he doesn't seem to react as much. But again. It's going to be a level of something. The idea, you're more powerful. I need stats. I need to have that stat sheet where it showed before he was nine strength. Now he's 10. Whatever it is, I want to know what it all means from well, the whole the thing. World we we have Metallo come down on him, spray him with a bunch of kryptonite in the face, and then he gives him a right cross. Superman's down, and thankfully we have the two steals, Natasha and John Henry, go in and take some blows, knock him back, and when Superman gets his ass back up off the ground from being stuck down like a bitch, he's able to take John from behind, freeze his ass, and throw him into space. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. That sounded sexy, Eric. That's that a weird again, thing. Breathy. Uh, but yeah, and, and the funny play is he says, you're more powerful but then seems to weaken him a bit with that dose of kryptonite to be able to punch him. But then he comes back and it kind of goes, but it, it's a big fight. It's pretty good. I know that you love Metallo. So Dude, him getting a focus. What I, what that I don't is pretty love cool. though, is that when we have our little like talk about who Metallo is, what's currently going on at steel. And I call it a flashback because of the way the narration works. It's not played I, I out that you. way, but that's the way I, I saw it when I was reading just because of the narration, sort of like with all a the recap. stuff going on. Kind of, to a degree, because deal. like mostly a lot of our stuff goes on 
like at the the Kent family farm after this, where all the Superman family are together and talking about what's going to go on with the Blue Earthers, Metallo, and all this. And John Henry's talking about Metallo, and for some reason we are using the New Fifty Two origin of the character. I'm like, oh, why would you go with that? Because I was like my least favorite Metallo. Like, yes, he's he's proper Metallo and has been for a while, but the New Fifty Two, I hated that Metallo so much. That John Corbin sucked. Yeah, you didn't like when he was walking the ocean blue, Eric. That's my favorite deal. The thing is, I guess it works out for what you're doing now because you do have John Henry Irons you involved in putting him. Exactly. So you have that at least him working and making the Steel Soldier program and all that. So it does work. And even John Henry at the New 52, that costume sucked too. They, look, I like a lot of aspects of the New 52, but a lot of it was just wrong. Well, and, and the funny thing about it is John Corbin Metallo has gone through a bunch of origins. John oh, yeah. Byrne ended up changing him up, then the New 52, and even some others in between. Now, I mentioned earlier that I'm going to throw in something that I ended up doing on the Patreon to kind of give people uh, you know, a heads up and maybe even change the format of the podcast a little, but I will have a secret origins first appearance of John Corbin Metallo later on in the podcast. Slipped in there, right? So you'll get to hear it. It's kind of just a, a fun little thing, but the thing about this is, is you're starting out this dawn of DC. We had an everything matters, you know, that catchphrase. And, and me and you, these catchphrases drive us nuts. The idea of story over continuity, that sort of <laughs> deal. But the thing I liked about the everything matters when we were going, and we were kind of getting to it for some characters, but not more. But you were kind of going, and I said to you, man, I think it means that we're going to get the best versions of every character. And you said, what the hell does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. It just sounded, I made my own catchphrase. But when you get this and you have the opportunity, it is a shame that here's Philip Kennedy Johnson. He does use kind of a lesser version of John Corbin. At least, or at least something that me and you didn't love. Yeah. I kind of wish that you saw a combo because this does set the deal. Now this is our John Corbin. We go forward with it and we'll, we'll deal with it. We don't mind it. Like we said, we like it that it ties in. John Henry, but it also ties into John Henry that we don't necessarily love, at least the look, as you said. But I do like that. But I love this Metallo. And even if it isn't the idea of, you know, hey, we might not like this version or whatever, I do appreciate, though, that Phil Kennedy Johnson seems to be going with that idea. This is Dawn of DC. We're going in. We've got to establish some things. And that's how it felt. And it did feel like flashback. And yeah, so. And I do like that it does make it feel like they are committed to the Dawn of DC of setting at least, you know, character ideas. I'm not going to say the continuity is going to be nailed down tight or the timeline, but at least we're getting versions of characters we can go forward with. And it seems like that is kind of on the list for them to check off because we do appreciate that when we get it. So you have that. And yeah, when if we're going to get John more and more, John Henry Irons, we're going to like it. Natasha, all that is right up our alley. We love those, Definitely. Characters. Love those characters. We haven't had too much of them except for the backup in, you know, action through this. So hopefully this all goes and we're going to even have that Steelworks book. So that sets it down. I like that. You even have little things with the twins that they're going to ask some questions and Oh, yeah, the stuff at, at the Ken family farm is nice little stuff of the Superman family now that we do have the super twins going on. And, you know, acclimating them to an Earth life, brushing your teeth, going to bed, and it's going to take a while for them to get over what they grew up with over the world because even the little girl goes and wraps the sheet around herself like she's wearing chains as she goes to bed. It is very sad, but I like the stuff that we're doing here, even though it's not, you know, action-oriented comics. It is a nice a touch for this new status quo within the Superman family. But when we do go back, I am intrigued. Because when uh, we have Batello, 
who's now floating in space, frozen by Superman. He's contacted by his hologram sister. He believes this to be his real sister, saying how she's in prison. Superman found out it's going to have her transferred to a supermax meta prison. And like, you know, please do something. And this is just pretty much egging Mattel on to get back in action and kick Superman's ass and kill him. And when he does fall back to Earth, he comes across the Blue Earthers, that Earth-Brown hate group that's going around talking about like trying to set off bombs and shoot people. And he just realizes maybe he needs a little bit of backup. But Superman is going to have his super family. Why can't Mattel have his house Mattel? He goes and alien texts his new body, makes a ping sound, boom tubes to the super, uh, Steel Soldier program. And he's going to take all these assholes with him. And it looks like going forward, Mattel is going to turn all these Blue Earthers into Mattel's themselves. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to end up like, and it's one of those. They're like, yeah, we hate those aliens. We'll do anything. Oh, anything. Okay. Anything, ping, huh? like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You I don't need that, Mattel. I don't need that. And, and in that, you also, and with the twins and the idea of the blanket wrapped around her wrist, it really does call into that, you know, kind of that deal of like a child soldier. Who ends up, okay, let them just be kids, but they haven't quite gotten away from that life yet. And it is kind of sad. The one thing that I hope you get, and I think that maybe even J-Man will talk about it later in his mail, is the idea when you go to the super family, I hope we actually get some time where they can actually have some fun. Somebody can smile. They're there. Go they're the all worried. They're air. Well, get in the van. Off you go. You get some ice cream. You end up where, you know, I want to have. A little bit of fun, like the Jeremy Adams, at points you'll have just the fun. It doesn't really push the narrative overall forward, but it gives Every you that Every time we see nice it, it always feeling. just seems like it's it's post-dinner time, all hanging out in the living room vibes. That's all we're ever doing with well, them. But it's, you know, that even like when you have those wrestling, that wrestling issue, I know that sometimes that drives us nuts, but I hope that you do get some time that they're just having fun. The family aspect is really good, but they don't Ebo, always have to be- zoo upset yeah even if it's that but they, they don't the have do you, showed up. <laughs> do you mean the, the actually you mean the sus zoo over there in the fortress of solitude no yeah, I'm, I'm with it the real so, zoo uh hopefully we get that but in that you also get some you know john corbin backstory uh, again and i don't some know that it's the idea that he's being played by something greater than alex luther at this point in time which is great because i really need this to tie into superman and i think that what you have philip Kennedy johnson already doing he is trying to get that start of Hey, John Corbin, and he is a sympathetic character, kind of. I mean, he ends up being very bad, right? Yeah, he ends up being very bad. It's almost like Hank Henshaw to a degree. A lot of, yeah, a lot of times he ends up kind of not really having a lot to say about what happened to him and how he ends up as a monstrosity. Uh, And then you even see him with his sister growing up and having to get rid of a gun. Things that probably Eric Shea had that. to do back in the day. Well, I know you didn't, but it, to me, it's like one of those where... the couch cushions. You kind of... Yeah, really. <laughs> you just twirl it around. Uh, but yeah, you have that whole play and getting a little bit more of, you know, that backstory and feel bad a little for John Corbin. Uh, but yeah, he ends up getting contacted by his sister. You can almost guess that if this is a dupe, this is a dupe to, okay, what prison are you saying? And he's going to try to break her out. She's not really there. The person who is there wants to get out, and that's how they escape. If this is totally sus, uh, which I do think it is. But overall, I like what we got. I didn't think that it was as... I saw some people just going on and on about how this was the greatest thing. I, I don't know that this exact story, the way it played out and the way it was told was you know, so fantastic, but I did like it. And I liked what it meant. And I liked the idea of getting some background and getting some character deal nailed down to go forward it's you know to me this is something of a a building block to go on 
And overall, I did like it overall, though. I actually am intrigued by a lot of it. And I think that it's funny that John Corbett's just like, all right, at one point, I like that they're these blue earthers like man all right this guy's with us and then they're like holy shit like they're crapping their pants He's i don't like this alien. guy yeah, I'm you. like and and john doesn't get that idea that that's what they're saying in my mind he's just like yeah i know i hate those aliens they suck all right and then he's gonna turn them into more metallos so yeah i i thought that it was pretty decent and the way we're doing this you want to give a score for each one yeah. it's, it's weird it's weird to Lump it all together because this Philip Kennedy Johnson story the is the is, main, but this is the one that's going to keep continuing. The mm-hmm. others are going to fade in and out. We're going to go in and out with different other stories. This we is the main do Dawn, with, with, uh, Dawn of DC. Or the Legends. Yeah, the, again, though, that wasn't as important. This feels weird because this is the main story, but it's going to be pulled down by some other things in this. Sure is. What is the next story? Next up, we have Home Again, written by Dan Jurgens, art by Lee Weeks, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Brightweiser, and Rob Lee. And in this, we go back in time to see young John once again. And as you remember from the previous issue, this little kid, now that we've moved back out west, he decided after the, the Doombreaker story that took place in the Superman 30th, uh, Super, Death of Superman 30th anniversary issue, there was a uh, shard of old Doombreaker there, and John decided to keep a, keep a hold of it and bring it home for some reason. And, you know, because that could never cause any problems. And outside of that, for some reason, which is crazier to me, an alien ship done crashed down next to them in the backyard of the Kent family farm. And it has nothing to do with the Doombreaker shard. It seems like this alien princess, Guyana, is there to find, you know, the leader of the world, who she believes to be a Kryptonian, because on this world, the Kryptonian would be the most powerful being there. And obviously, the most powerful being would be the leader of the world. And John is pretty much there to say, oh, no, that's Superman. He's cool. He don't do stuff like that. He lets you make your own choices. And then after he goes and heat visions a, uh, a tracking device within her ship, she's like, holy shit, you're the Kryptonian I've been looking for. It's just too bad that he didn't do enough there to break the tracking device because we have enforced robot enforcers have come down to reclaim the exiled princess and bring her back home before she can get up to whatever she wants to get up to. Yeah, maybe that she has to get married to a sus guy. That's very Maxima. Yeah, it is. Uh, One of the things that makes me laugh is I wish that John's like, I don't know how to stop this tracker. And she yells, just call it Goldie. Boom! Heat vision. Oh, Dead. It, it's it's crazy though with this story where you're going through this, and at one point I thought to myself, okay, this isn't exactly the type of thing I was expecting when we were told, hey, we're going to go back to that Lois and Clark feel. You got to change it around a bit because of how the Superman Reborn and all that changed things. But the idea of having a young John and hey, let's go. But then when I was reading it, I started thinking, well. This kind of does fit in that old school action comics type of feel with the different stories going yeah. on. Yeah, this isn't a Congorilla story, Eric, which is a shame, but you end up yeah. where, okay, we have a wacky, you know, outer space princess that comes, okay, this will be cool. But I then at like, the yeah, end, when yeah. you have that Dawnbreaker, I'm like, okay, this is getting a little convoluted already. Like, you can just I just have like a the idea story. of the timeline that we have here with young John, that we are back in time before he gets whisked away by his grandfather and spends seven years in our three in a volcano. But the idea that he is a young boy with his parents who are pretty much not on the run, but want to remain incognito because they're not supposed to be in this universe when they're over out west on this farm, you know, and then they, okay, now we're moving to Hamilton County, so we're going back east, you know, and then we're going to move to Metropolis, and now that the pandemic's going on and some crazy shit's going on, Perry said not to come to work, the roads are going to be terrible. I, I just want to call it the pandemic, it's not that, yeah, but... It's weird, they just say, like, they want to have a cool down, and they're going yeah. out west again, but not to the play, like, we wanted to see... stuff. 
Like this would have been cool if instead of having princess here, you ended up Rihanna. having Kathy. You know, yeah. something like that I that we to, wanted I before. I wanted to go back to Hamilton County. I did. Yeah, that's what we wanted to have. But here we are. And again. But that wasn't Dan Jurgen's story. This is where Dan Jurgens had his story. Yeah. So you end up where you're you're doing all this stuff. And yeah, you mean the Peter Tomasi at one point ended up changing Peter, some things. Well, and say, then, Peter Tomasi went to Hamilton County. Yeah, he went to Hamilton County. But and we were now doing we're doing the, uh, the, the Adventures of Superman and Lois, I think it was, whatever Dan Jurgens did when they were still incognito before the like the, the New 52 universe knew that this post, I'm sorry. Yeah, they pre- were hiding. They had to exactly, hide. Exactly, they were hiding. But this is where they lived at this point in time. During the author X stories. But the weird play is this is like a combo. It's so odd the way they spell it out at the beginning of this is kind of the combo. But now they're doing this because they need a cool down. It's very wacky. But the whole Silver Age feel of this princess story, I thought was, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, it's not really as hard hitting as I was hoping and not that hard hitting. I wanted to just see more of young John. Honestly, I just need this to be fun. Him having that piece of the Doombreaker, that is not going to work out. It never does. Somehow, you have the same thing going on over at Marvel where all the kids are running around with symbiote stuff. I'm like, it doesn't work out, guys. Stop it. You just keep it in a jar under your bed. It'll be fine. But then you you have Superman, like, he hears it. I like where John knows that, yeah, my dad's listening. He's like, oh, crap, we're in big trouble when this killbot comes down. Dad, I hope you're listening because I need, and before he can even say you, he's all like, you know, coming. He's already in costume out of bed and flying towards little John. It's great. That looks so good. And I love it's just like he, he had that big help. And you see Lois wake up. Oh, my God, what's going on? And he's already on his way. But tell you, just this coincidence of the situation is almost <laughs> like, a, like a, a series of unfortunate events. Because, like I said, you have the, the Doom Breaker shard, which I swore had to be connected to this alien coming down in the previous issue. I think I even yelled at you about the idea. It has to be connected. What the hell are you talking about? But, yeah, you would think you know, that I, that's what would have been drawing them and down. The thing is, it, it could be to a degree. We don't know yet. But from this issue, it seems like it's completely random. Doesn't have anything to do with that at all. She's just looking for random Kryptonians. But while this is going on, John went out there. He has the Dawnbreaker shard. He's going to hide it. Alien princess comes in a rocket. Oh, my God. We have robots. Superman is lured out of the house by his son yelling about these alien robots. And Lois is left home by yourself right at the same point where a drifter we saw at the beginning of this story is now knocking on the door in the middle of the night, who is the Doombreaker, <laughs> while Superman and John aren't home. But he says, please. Help me. I think right now Doom Breaker's not breaking much Doom. He needs his shard to be at full effect. So right now I don't think Lloyd here is is any in any kind of way gonna hurt Lois Lane. I don't think he's able to. No, no, I, I don't think he is. But either. it's just a, and a, a series of unfortunate events. It is. It's crazy. I actually was when he ends up knocking and like I said, he luckily didn't ring and run. I don't think he can run. He looks terrible. He might, he might ring and crawl. It just reminds me of the character Doomed. Where I'm like, oh man, I want to see him Doomed. again. I want to see him again. Uh, but yeah, and I you still end have up to go Lois. and read that uh, Death of Superman 30th Anniversary story because I do want to know what this is about, and I still haven't read it. I feel bad. Yeah, I like that Lois like answers and goes Lloyd, and then realizes, oh no, secret identities. Doombreaker. <laughs> ah, but he's there. That's a pretty cool ending. It goes really quick. The idea, though, it just. It just doesn't seem... John and Gliana I really enjoyed, though. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I don't mind it. I think that it's pretty good. And overall, it seems to be getting a little bigger, like you said. I think that we all have to go and read that uh, Death of Superman anniversary deal to see exactly what's up with Doombreaker. Because that's the thing. Is that they gave us a little short synopsis in the previous issue, like trying to like tie, like make sure that everybody was up to speed with the Doomsday Shard, the Doombreaker Shard, and the fight during that whole storyline. 
they did a little bit of recap in that first issue for them, like to get people caught up. But I want to go back and read it because, like you said, the idea it reminds you of Doomed. I'm like, is this like a lot like Doomed? Is it the Doomsday virus? I want to know more. Well, even when you see him and he's like, he's got half a Doomsday oh, yeah. look that it looks just like Doom. So I was all excited, but. We'll move on to the last story in this book. And again, I enjoyed the first two. Yeah. And then we too. get to this and Head like I, a hole. Yeah, yeah. Tell us who what are the stats, Eric? Written by Leah Williams, art by Marguerite uh, Savage and Becca Carey. Now yeah. what, what's wrong with this what's wrong with this story, Jim? I, I just I don't care about it. You're you're using a character that has new powers, but yet in that, I don't know that Leah Williams actually understands anything about the character or what actually happened in Lazarus Planet. Because when you end up having Kara show up, they were hanging out during Lazarus Planet, especially when you ended up having Power Girl get the powers and end up all this. And now it acts like, oh, I haven't seen you in three years. What's up? And I just, and even the idea reminded me, Supergirl, remember that idea of I've lost my powers, then they did a U turn, and now I'm fueled up by the darkness instead of the sun. And then that never was resolved. Nothing happened Nothing from ever it. happened to Lazarus And it's planet. not even mentioned here. But Kara has new problems now. She has to come to the, the telepathic detective service of Omen and Power Girl because now when she wants to say words, it comes out gibberish, Jim. Something's wrong with her and she doesn't understand why. So now we have to have Power Girl do a little tiptoe through the tulips of Kara's mind to figure out what the block is. Well, Omen just kind of sits on a couch and just really is just the idea of this story. Just there's nothing that goes on. They try to set up something here for like a future idea because what turns out is that there's somebody who is after Karen Star Power Girl. And now that they and it's uh, somebody who is psychically connected. And now that Karen has psychic powers, they can't attack her. So they have to attack people who are close to Karen. And that being Karen's I mean, uh, Karen now Supergirl. And they put this psychic block in their mind so that would lure out Power Girl. So now she knows. Holy shit, somebody's coming after me. But just the idea. It's a cameo of the week or a cameo of the month type of storyline. Last week, Beast Boy, he needed some mental problem help. And like she gave him the mental problem help with telepathy. And uh, to, uh, yeah, telepathy. And now Carol comes in. Should we help her out? Now she can she doesn't talk to gibberish no more because the psychic block was removed. And oh my God. But it's, it's just, this is boring. This is not fun to read. Just learn, we're just. Through the landscape of the mind that is ever changing, we're like, hey, think of this way, so go over here. What now you're having problem with talking, so is there a place in your mind where like you think about public speaking a lot? Can we go over there? Listen, oh why the hell didn't she come in? That's my gibberish. But it's not gibberish, Eric. Why are you talking Kryptonian? Why can't you speak English? Why are you reverting? And because when you go in the mind, that's where they go to. Oh, I'm going to go see the Kryptons of the mind. Why why isn't this something that you get? Write a smart story that in some way, Kara has reverted to not being able to suddenly get over Krypton's destruction. So she's reverted back to being on Krypton and she's only speaking Kryptonian, which nobody knows and you don't know what it is. But Karen, oh, she's speaking Kryptonian. Why is that? Let's go in. No, it's gibberish. They go in and start the fight because the only thing that Leah Williams can figure out to do in this, which she did the last issue and doesn't know anything about these characters, is, well, you know, Power Girl and Supergirl, they're the same. And they do this and they're mad at each other and they're pa- and you do nothing with it. And by the end, it's boring as shit and you do nothing with it. And you have Omen, who you like. I like her enough. She's just sitting there doing nothing. She's making tea. Honestly, at, at this point in time, just turn Lilith Clay into a baddie that, for some reason, 
Like, you know, she's the one who did this, who's oh, actually that'd going be after it. Crazy, it wasn't right? Lazarus Rain at all. It's actually she doesn't have these psychic powers, it's just Omen using her powers to make her think this and drawing her out for whatever reason. Because honestly, people might like Omen Lilith Clay. I don't think she does anything anymore. She was a Titan at one point. She was a like when they brought the Titans back, they brought her in, was a counselor for Roy Harper one point. It was fine, but the character at this point in time, sadly, is kind of useless. And she's even a second stringer to a character who just got psychic powers now. Whilst that's her main power. That's the worst part of this. This is an omen story that somehow to get it in this book, you had to make it Power Girl. To yeah. make her have these powers she never had and to say... Oh, she got that from the Lazarus Rain. Because even all of the a sudden- idea, the Lazarus Rain, for some reason, gave, like, you know, Karen psychic powers, but it seemed to psychically connect her to Lilith Clay with a fucking portal of the mind that brought her out like the goddamn Freddy Dream World situation. And uh, it never made any sense. I have no idea why Lilith Clay's in this book, how it makes any sense at all. I know they tried to give us an explanation in the previous issue. It still doesn't play, play out to me. Just do something different here. This is just like if you're going to do anything to make it interesting. Sadly, I think you have to make Lilith Clay a baddie because she's oh, that not would interested be good. where she is right now. Actually, it is if it ends up being revealed that she's actually pulling the whammy on Karen and she doesn't realize it. That would be really good because in this you it's have a story. Fuck. Like just imagine the hoops you're going through here. You have a story where you need some reason. You need the power of Omen. But instead of using Omen, you end up needing to give that power to care. But she doesn't know enough to do it herself, so she needs Omen there. To do. It, it, every step of the way, it ends up failing. And then when you have this, again, it's such surface-level bullshit with the idea. Oh, man, like the, the classics. I think that somebody's trying to get to me through you. But, man, they don't know us, do they? You're like, what? Stop it. If you're going to do this play where... You're here to give us that, you know, idea of establishing the characters, like I said, with, say, uh, you know, Mattello, that we were talking earlier. This isn't the way to do it. This is fucking it up. This is, you know, messing everything up. It doesn't make sense. And people who are fans, you're not going to get them to like you're this making bullshit. making characters lesser than what and you're doing right now. And that's the thing. And what you're doing is, and we talk about this all the time, I can even say a bit with a Tim Drake, where... I think I've read more Megan Fitzmartin, Tim Drake, than I've read any other version. So I'm not getting a good version. And we also worry sometimes about that, where you have the higher ups that I'm not convinced that they've ever read anything. But they sit there and say, well, Tim Drake's failing. He cannot work. And in this, oh, I thought more people like Power Girl. I guess not. Well, maybe you should give us Power Girl before you decide that. And I'm worried that a lot of people coming into this and are going to D.C., you always hope there's new readers that they're going to end up like, oh, this character is bullshit. And their first entry level deal of Power Girl is her doing telepathy psychiatry that is nothing to do with her. And the other characters are just there as a character of the week nonsense, surface level bullshit. And yeah, I mean, the idea that after a Lazarus reign, the biggest thing that you can come up with is she's talking to gibberish. I don't even know how it's really resolved. <laughs> we 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 get the psychic blackout, and it's and whoever is attacking Karen through Karen at this point, apparently they have the initials JS. I believe they're trying to say here because they left a little calling card for her. that. It might be Johnny Sorrow, something okay. like that. There's not a lot of JSs, but really, what, what do you care? And uh, I, I love the idea that it's like okay, your help. Like, why was Beast Boy in that first deal? Was that part of this? Was that he was a little lamb? There's no real connection though of. I want to get to the Power Girl, so I'm going to mess. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to mess around with 
with Beast Boy. All of a sudden, I think this it's like it's being done on the fly. All right, we'll do this, and it's the worst. <laughs> it's not good. And I, I only think we have a couple more issues of this, which that's good, but bad in the idea that what story are you we telling? We got to tell here? a story, yeah. What story are you telling? It's, it's one of those two where. I read it, because, but I've already written it off. I'm reading it just to see how bad it is. Unfortunately, that's not a vendetta, Eric, but it's a shame because the rest of the, the other two stories are pretty no, strong. No, I enjoy the other two stories, And then you yeah. go into this, and yeah, I like the art. A couple of people are saying they didn't like the art. I like it's it. It's growing on me a little bit. I didn't like it at first, but I don't mind it here because it gives it the story at least something because the story's absent. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, and you're doing dreamscapes and stuff yeah. a lot, but even that, like, what should be big of the idea? Oh, we're on Krypton. This is what you think. Get out of my dreams, uh, you Freddy Krueger bitch. I, yeah, that's what I'd like. If Freddy Krueger showed up, it would up the Get out the of Eddie. my dreams and get out of my car. Get out of my dreams and into my office. They even pull out of the uh, Oh, I guess we're not going to be able to get our security deposit. <laughs> you blew a hole in the wall in your tantrum. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Oh, by the end, it gets me so Let angry. Let me drink my tea. It's it's one of those things that's fun, though, is by the end, if this was just its own story, like a Tim Drake, it would infuriate me. I'd be like, oh, my God. But at the end, I just laugh and I'm like, eh, who cares? It's, it's the one story out of the three that sucked. Thank God it's with those other two stories that are pretty good. Yeah, I care about those stories. What would you give it overall? Ultimately, I think the strong, you know, the, uh, strong, the art is strong in all three for the most part. I, even though I'm not a huge fan of the last one, it's at least something nice to look at and the colors do pop it like gorgeously but like i don't care about the last story at all it just makes every character involved lesser for everything you're doing there but the first two stories i have a lot of questions about the uh superman family one because i need to know what's going on the lex with her if it's going to tie into superman this gives me hope that it will for the way it returned here and i care about the story overall of the tallow and what we're doing with the twins i think it's very strong stuff with john doesn't need to be strong because in the past we know how it's all going to turn out i just need it to be fun and for the most part i think it is fun and i enjoy reading it so seven out of ten yeah i'm gonna go seven five um but without this last it's funny because when i'm re i actually i don't know why or how whatever but i even started losing track of which character was which and I, it shouldn't but i guess it's these new costumes that was but also i love the idea that if you had the script there's leah williams who does a lot of x stuff right and she's like yeah, I don't really like this shit. Let's make Kara Emma Frost. That's what we'll do first, because that's all I thought about when they're like, boom, look at this outfit I have. I'm like, it looks like Emma Frost. Why? Why are you doing this? But yeah, I'm a 7.5 overall. But again, that is pulled down a bit by that last story. But we'll go to the next big book of the week, Eric, right? Detective Comics number 1069, dude. Dude. Written by Ram V, art by Dexter Soy, Stefano Raphael, Miguel Mandanka, Adriano Lucas, and Ariana Mayer. And we're going to continue with half whispered down the lane storytelling in my mind. We're going to continue with, suit with Batman doing nothing in the issue but being knocked out and having to recuperate. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so you have that. I even put in my notes one thing, though. God, Giving Ram V... A character like the Ten-Eyed Man is like giving Kurt Cobain heroin. Shit's going to go wrong. I mean, it's like the thing that they crave the most, but it's never going to work out. Though, in this, I think the worst written character is definitely Oracle, who comes, I don't even know what this Oracle is, and it continues that idea of Ramvi writing this, you know, real pretentious dialogue for characters that don't really talk that way. But overall, it's Batman just... Being out of the picture and being told how great the organs are, 
even though we don't really see everything or understand everything. The well, idea even of the idea them that coming the, in with the deed to Arkham. Hey, we have this. They're going to build this new center of some sort. I still don't know exactly what it and they're is. They're buying up properties all over Gotham. They're going to build all this stuff. They're making a lot of land grabs and buying some things. So what we're seeing, and this is the issue that really, really brought that to the front in my mind, is oh, Batman's going to lose the city again. Here we go again. This is all they can do. When we get to the next book, the only two things that seems in the Bat Family books that you could do is Batman loses Gotham and then he dies. And then he dies, and then he loses Gotham. And I'm like, come on, I need to know more details. I'm interested in some of the things. The idea going forward with Two-Face, I think that that's pretty cool with the idea that Two-Face knows all about Bruce and things like that. But in the meantime, you know, what are you doing with it? The Two-Face stuff will be great once we actually get there. But, I like, the idea that Ram V has this story that's been going on for this long where nothing really has happened, we have – Homeless people being captured be given the asthma so that the organs can have, you know, slaves, soldiers, whatever you want to call them at that point, whenever you have a demon in your mind controlling you. But it's like, all right, we got to buy up some property down here. We got a center over there. And you know what? I want it done. Three days. Batman is asleep and half the city has already rebuilt, it seems like. And I, I swear that Ram V was told to get a fucking move on with this story because he would have taken the next 10 issues, 10 months of that story. And like, you know, would have been. All right, and now we're going to build this building over here. Thankfully, it's ridiculous, but no. Money talks and bullshit walks. We've rebuilt all this stuff. The organs are buying up all these things. And what's Batman going to do? Because half the time he's in this book, he's just spending, like, recuperating and asleep because it's old man Batman who can't hack it anymore. Eight issues this story has been an annual we've had, and the story isn't really going very far. And things. I like the idea that what ends up happening a lot is it just keeps reiterating, like almost like it's the greatest hits every every issue. It's, oh, man, look at this. And I'll tell you why I think that this is nonsense a lot. And again, people be, oh, it's just not your thing, the over narration. But that page where you have the ten-eyed man, he's talking, right? Yeah. You have a bunch of these word bubbles. I swear to God, it doesn't matter what order you even read them in. <laughs> None it of doesn't. it makes much sense, right? So I'm sitting there, I'm trying to figure out, Okay, do we go from here down and then up around? I'm like, you know what? I just read it three separate kind of ways, and it made the same amount of nonsense sense in each one. It didn't really. And I again, use this eye, and I see a boy who is hurt, and I see this eye, and I see the hyperdimensional Barbatos. But not, we're not talking about that in any kind of terms. You're just going to see this through the art while the Ten-Eyed Man just waxes poetic. Well, I was just waiting for Two-Face to shoot him in his goddamn head. He threatens to do it later on, but... Ultimately, it comes to nothing. I'm telling you, Two-Face brought him here to save him, to have that deal with Harvey. They're like, look, you put me in charge, I'll save Batman. He brought him to Dr. Jocasta Joy to be saved. We just bring him here. He's laying down until the organs show up, and they're going to actually wreck up the joint and kill everybody. And Batman, I'm awake now. Okay, I'm going to jump out this window, and that's it. Like, even the idea of Two-Face saving him, yes, he moved him from one place to another, but there was no medical attention given to the character. Like, he was like, I'm going go to I'm gonna go to Gordon's place now. I'm going to sit behind one wall. He's going to sit by the other. We're going to talk about what the city needs and how I'm going to give the city everything I have and even more because I'm the Batman. And then I'm going to walk out. And the best part of the book is that thing where Jim Gordon thinks that Batman's not even there anymore and continues talking, but Batman still is there. And it's nice, but that's the best part of the issue in my mind. And the thing is, at this point, I need more than nice. I need more than, but it's, it, you know, the idea that Gordon's worried about his buddy. Hey, does anybody look into, you know, you being okay? Are you okay there, pal? And you do even have Gordon almost referencing a lot of the shit. Everybody asks, who is the Batman? But nobody ever asks, how is the Batman? 
the man behind the mask. But it, at that point, it feels like, again, that, you know, Ram V thinks he's losing some people here and he has to go surface level. Hey, look, I love the Batman. I'm going to explain because Batman has done Do shit part. throughout all this. <laughs> it is. I, I agree. But in this, you have just certain times in this whole story where I just sit there and I have to stop for a second and say, stop with your, you know, rhyme. Stop with your Ten I Man, please. That Ten I Man shows up for no reason except to end up talking crazy to have that spread page. That's it. I need the story. I need to know. And the people who sit there and you even spelled it out. It's almost like the new Grant Morrison type feel that. If you end up arguing with somebody about it, or like, hey, it's not for me, I need a story. Oh, you're just too dumb to know what the story is. No, 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 don't be fooled by this bullshit. It's all smoke and mirrors. We're not getting much out of this. But if you are into an atmosphere and a mood, and that is worth it to you, then go for it. But I need a story. I need something that I get gripped with and want to come back to read. This is, unfortunately, serial storytelling. So each issue should give you something that then leads. But when Bram V argues with me on the Twitters, he says serial storytelling is that you can last 80 issues without telling anything. That's what he thinks it means. And remember, when he ended up you know, throwing shade at my review for one of his deals, his big play that really got to me was the idea that he said, listen, everybody, I don't write my stories for you. I write the stuff I want to write and what I like. Well, you know what? Maybe you should start writing stories for everybody else as well, because that's kind of your job. And in the meantime, learn how to read the room. People are sick of the idea of Batman not being on top, Batman dying, Batman losing the city. Everybody wants to give Chip Zdarsky shit because he's writing the back guy. Look how much more enjoyable the back guy is to the Batman who yeah, can't do a goddamn thing. Some people say they don't even like that, and that's the problem. Right now, I think I that say the They're giving combo. shit about the idea of it, but I'd much rather read the back god who's then a Batman who's just laying down the entire issue. If the back god showed up in this issue and started wrecking house, I'd, I'd be cheering. I'd be like, finally, thank God that it's not even. I have a contingency plan for the organs I always have. <laughs> remember when, yeah, remember when we got into this, we come out of Mariko Tamaki, who also had a Batman that barely was in the story at points. He disappeared. He ended up, you know, hey, I'm not going to do this and I and that. There's not been a capable or competent Batman in Detective Comics in quite some time, and it's it's getting to me. And the worst part, on top of that, because you want a capable Batman, you want Batman in your book doing Batman things. I think you want Batman to be on equal footing with the villains. But you have this villain situation where you just keep stacking and stacking what they are. You have this. This uh, Eastern, what I want to call Eastern European family, I figured we, I think they said where they were from before, and I can't they remember. Said, was, uh, they said it came out that they're maybe Indian. Which- exactly. We have an Indian family who's come to Gotham because of an ancient deed. They own the Arkham land. They're going to build this thing on top of it. On top of that, okay, that's one thing that you're doing. We have a wolf man who puts demon asthma in your brain to control you. And then it goes back in time where the Oregons of old had a reality engine that were going to shape the destiny of Gotham forever. And Batman got into works. And that's why there's always a Batman now, not a hyperdimensional or even I don't even know how Barbados fits. Yeah, in Barbados with engine. a music box. But, I, and I, music boxes that soothe the asthma demon that might be in your head, possibly. But now on top of that, we are adding these situations the down man. below Gotham that are almost like ley lines. The sources of power you? that Victor Freeze has been mapping out. And I have no idea where you're going with the story anymore, except for that we have substations that are underground. These lines that Victor Freeze had mapped out, he was doing stuff with them. 
And the orgums are really interested in them. They have all these people on the ground that they have like rounded up from the homeless. They're going to give the acid to the brain. And then thankfully, old shoes, old freaking, you know, uh, Leanne Harper, she breaks free from the, like one of the alley town strays who was kidnapped as well and goes out there. And underneath the ground as well, we have Solomon Grundy who's coming to wreck house. I'm sitting here like, yeah, we got a lot of stuff that I don't fully understand. And you just keep stacking and stacking. And this is going to be fucking. This is gonna fall. This 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 plate this this tower that you're budding is not gonna be really sturdy by the end because you just keep stacking without really giving us any information. You fucking have Wolfman for Christ's sake, and you're just gonna keep adding things. Wolfman, yeah, and you're in my mind, you're adding things without explaining the past thing. Things are left behind. Like I said, the idea that you have this, I guess the commit, I don't know, this chief, the police chief, he comes in to talk to Renee Montoya, and he's like, man. They're almost done building. It's a soft open of that there building. I, I don't even know later. what it is still. He ends up saying, Montoya, look at this. They're doing a soft opening for the new organ place where the Looney House used to be. Look at it. Ivory tower, mirrored walls, and big sunny windows. What is it? What is it? Is cool. it another is it another insane asylum? Is it something they never say? But also just this dialogue. The idea that you have this chief. We don't know who he is. We really don't. And he ends up uh, throwing shade at Montoya and says, oh, sure, I see it all there in this. You get used to the crazy that the normal begets suspicion. I'm like, nobody talks like this. And then you get to Oracle, who I swear to God, we, we all have read a lot of Barbara Gordon. You've had Oracle where she says, Every system of chaos has within itself the potential for order with unseen forces aligning themselves along these corridors of power like water seeping through rock and stone. I think it is in the nature of such things. The op, the obfuscation, the unknowable grand design of them. What the fuck did she just say? I want Batman to go. Who is this? I, I think I'm being duped. I mean, the I, idea- I'm just happy when Cassandra Kane was sent down into the substation. It's going to kick a little ass and, you know, take out some of these organs. I'm like, the stuff at the end, too, like I, I say the best part of the book is this Batman listening to Gordon as Gordon is just saying, like, oh, you've already left just me talking to myself like a crazy old man. It's a nice moment because you always like, you know, expect Batman to leave Gordon hanging like that. But there, Bruce Wayne is just kind of looking solemn as this is going on and just does eventually take off. When you get down and you have, you know, Cassandra Kane in the substation kicking a little ass, when you have Shoes Get Out, who is now the, uh, the Cheshire cat, she's escaping, you know, and the people are shooting at her. And then you get Solomon Grundy. All of these things are the best parts of the book. Nothing to do with Batman, really. You know, I'm telling you guys, even with the stuff that I said is the best part of the book, Batman's standing there while Jim Gordon's doing all the work. Yeah, and and then he relies on Oracle, just talks nonsense about ley lines and things that That's not even ley lines. It's just these lines. It's weird. I don't understand what they are. They just keep saying these lines and power, and I can only think of ley lines, but this weird mark of this this cracks, like, you know, these lines here, they mean something. Victor Freeze knew, I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, but apparently it's important. So hopefully we get to that. And then again, there's a land grab. You end up having the chief. Look, they're they're grabbing all the land. They're doing all this. And you're like, all right, they're taking over the city that way. Okay. It does Randy realize that we've had this same story 50 times in the last couple of years. Then when it seems like when he goes underground, he seems to think like, oh, man, they've never done this. We've seen this a million times where, oh, my God, remember. The, the train tracks down there, they ended up making the train too wide or the thing too. Like, we keep doing the same thing. The sub- when, he, when, he, when he ends up doing this, it just ends up all of this feels like, all right, you're doing this shit again? I'm expecting all of a sudden for the buildings to turn into Mecca and start walking around. Beep, boop, 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 that was Scott night. Snyder. You know, the deal. No, that was Tynan. 
it was the deal was it? In, in his detective. Yeah. No, it was the detective deal with that, you know, play. I think it played off of the idea of Snyder as well. For some reason, in my mind, it was an end game. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. So you end up where, again, people talking weird, but Batman just kind of standing around. Batman either sleeping things off, right? He's like, yeah. he's like Luke Hollywood. He's always hung over. And if he's not sleeping it off, he's just standing behind people while they do all the work. Look, Batgirl's going to get a Silver Cheshire Cat and Solomon Grundy. It's and all good. I, I think that you're getting that problem where a lot of people will have like a Ram V. He seems to be more suited for something like a Swamp Thing, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of that. But it feels like like he's not that interested in Batman. He wants to just keep throwing things at you, but none of them are Batman. I like the Wolfmans and I like music boxes. Yeah, I mean, and he's oh, I'm making this like gothic car. At one point when he mentioned the idea, oh, well, this is going to be a gothic opera. And that's what people would use to argue with me about why people talk the way they do. Oh, it's because of, I'm like, I don't need that shit. I, I, I don't need. It's like one of those things where it's goofy enough to think about a musical where why are these people running around singing and dancing? But it plays out because it's a musical. Just because you say it's a gothic opera doesn't mean that Barbara Gordon starts talking pretentious bullshit. That means nothing. Or you have the Ten-Eyed Man give you a whole page of shit that you don't even have to read in order. It's just at the end, it just infuriated me. And then I just want him to push aside. Now it would get me mad because he's introduced these things, but push all that, start to explain things. You're now eight issues and an annual in. What has happened? What is going on? And most of the stuff still isn't even explained. But here we are. And the art's okay. It, it works yeah, out for the fine. type of story. And then we have the backup that you can go through. For a Absolute part here. one of three. It's our Mr. Freeze backup story now, which I decided to read because it wasn't one of those terrible Jim Gordon stories. And it was written by Simon Spurrier with art by Casper Wingard. Yeah, is it this Wingard? Okay. I think it's probably and, Wingard. Okay, and Steve Wands on letters. But this whole thing is pretty much another series of unfortunate events because Dr. Mead, who was once the psychiatrist of Harvey De- Two-Face Dent, he was supposed to kill her to show his, uh, like, um, his loyalty to the Orgums. He didn't do it. He let her go, but made him think that he killed her. And apparently on her way out of Gotham, she was then kidnapped by Mr. Freeze, who was still hung up on Nora Freeze for not loving him anymore. And because the reason that she doesn't love him anymore, it must be that she got brain damage from the deep freeze that she, he put her in because of this. So now he's going to rework his experiments. And Dr. Mead, she's going to be his test subject because he needs a human test subject to try to make sure that you can do the freezing process without getting that damn brain damage. And I'm sitting there reading the story. I'm like, wasn't it just like Apex Lex's gift to you that like actually caused the brain damage? And the thing is, we never actually talked about they, they they discussed it a little bit. They maybe nodded towards the idea that it could be this, but we never really got to the bottom of the the change in Nora Freeze when she got, you know, unfrozen and was given, you know, Mr. Freeze esque kind of power. Like even that, like she had she had to be in the deep freeze. She couldn't stay in the cold on the heat anymore, and she just became Mrs. Freeze. That's all she was. But now Mr. Freeze, when it, when it seemed that he was getting over that situation, let's put him back to that. I still miss my wife. I'm going to experiment on this lady. And then all of a sudden, she uh, during like this experiment scene before it even starts, she starts hearing the music. It's in this, her brains. And then this dreamlike monster called the earworm's like, hey, I'm the earworm. I'm here. That's your story. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the thing is, do we need it? Do we need to keep going back and changing things with Mr. Freeze and, and you know, Nora? It's it's odd. You've had it since the beginning. Honestly, of nobody 52. has anything for him to do if you don't have anything to do with Nora. And again, just 
if you have this, and this is, again, we've talked about it in Action Comics. It's brain damage. And I will even pull it in and say that. That's why I all did, the women who don't love me don't love me. It's the I brain did, damage. Yeah, I did like the uh, deal, Ram V, what he did, and we were talking about it earlier. Unfortunately, behind the scenes, we got disconnected for a second. But the idea of what Ram V kind of spelled out with uh, Two-Face, the idea that Two-Face knows Bruce is Batman, yeah. but he's going to keep it to himself unless Batman screws with him. And then he says, I will then go and just destroy your whole family. And then I will shoot and kill myself. And that I really like the idea that Ram V. And I, I love the idea that Ram V got that play of it's not just the threat of, hey, I'll kill your family because Batman can then say, and I'm well, kill I'll your stop friend you. Harvey Dent. But yeah, that's big. And he says, and I thought Ram V did a great job. I'll do that. it right this time. All right, maybe that, that, that is a good part of the book. That too. is a thing really is, good part. But And the two face parts have been the best, though. Yeah, it has. And like, I, I've been trying to find some stuff to enjoy as well. I was really just kind of centering on that Gordon and Batman exchange. Well, the Gordon part was a good moment. But, I think that was the best moment. I, I love the, the two face stuff. It's just wrapped up around the one eye man doing his one eye bullshit or ten eye bullshit. And that's my <laughs> big point here. The idea that people like Ram V. But Two-Face has been the best part of the story yeah, for me. And Ram V's a good writer. He just ends up muddying shit up so much that he ends up not being able to tell the story in the amount of time that he should and whatnot. Because if we just had that Two-Face stuff and just give us the asthma werewolves, I don't mind having <laughs> werewolves in Gotham. And the Two-Face stuff's great. Oh. And so when you have that, we don't need... Every other thing. And then you said in this issue, we had six more things. And what what is going? We didn't even mention the idea that eventually we will get back to the League of Assassins. And all these things oh, yeah, just shit. there's so many things left. But when he does end up kind of buckling down and giving you something and giving you information, explaining it like the two face character moment. Yeah. Yes, it's great. That was really good and really sets Two-Face up going forward in such a cool way that I think Two-Face needed because you kind of did get that idea of like, well, what's going on with him after all this I can't wait for that story, but will we ever get it? Yeah, well, I don't know, but at least it's there and hopefully people go with it. That makes it feel like a bit of a Dawn of DC type deal, but we don't need like... The idea that Mr. Freeze was in the story, we don't need you to go back because all he'll ever do is focus on Nora. So just let him do it. Like, stop this. Stop this nonsense that just feels like filler to eventually somebody will just say, all right, we're back to this. Let's go. Let's forget all this. Let's get back Nora, that stuff, whatever. There you go. And and just it feels like Honestly, I want them to be space. a couple and just turn everything the ice. I, I want them to be that kind of deadly duo. And even if you ended up having Nora come back because she, you know, skedaddled out, we thought at one let's point. Paint she was the dead. Town she ice. wasn't. Yeah, let's paint the town white. You end up, well, that sounded really sus. You end up with, that's a different story. You end up where I want Nora to come back and actually. I think you're fine. Maybe change the dynamic of it and say, well, it actually sounded sexy. As it didn't. If, just have Nora come back and say, listen, you're the bitch now. I, I might come for you, but you listen to me. Let's go. And, and he's like, fuck it. I'm a simp now. I don't care. I'm right. always that go. Yes, mommy. You could even play off the, the idea that Nora comes back. Hey, I want you back, Victor. This is great. We can go. And he's like, this is going to be the greatest. And she's just too crazy. <laughs> like He's like, man, you, you're really wacky. Like, I think you're going too far. And then play off that. Do something. but. Not just the back to, oh, I gotta experiment this and do this 
and then have ley lines in the background. I'll just keep calling them ley lines. I don't even know what they were. Uh, but yeah, by the end, uh, Cy Spurrier is, uh, well, this is Simon Spurrier, Eric, not Cy. Yeah. You got to watch. I think that Cy Spurrier is nonsense and Simon Spurrier is more nonsense. I don't know, but. What would you give this by the end? Ultimately, I think the art is really good throughout this whole thing. I like the Two-Face character moment. I like the part with Gotham, oh, Gotham, with Gordon and Batman. And I look forward to what we're getting because of what we got with the ending with Cheshire Cat, Batgirl, and Solomon Grunny. It's just the actual main story and everything to do with Batman pretty much sucks in this. And I'm like, there's elements here that I like and I like the art, but the story overall is just a slog to get through and just keeps stacking shit upon shit. But I'm still going to give it a 6 out of 10 for the parts I like and what it could get to from where we end this issue. I think it's a it's a solid six. It kind of drives me nuts. I want it to move forward. I want more explanation. Uh, the funny thing with with shoes is the deal. And I heard rumors, you know, my ear to the post of the streets, Aaron, that Twitter? coming up now. Well, yeah, a guy messaging me, but saying that he had talked to some people. It's a guy. Hey, guy, is what I say. And he said, hey, did you hear that? coming up sometime maybe summer maybe a little after that they're gonna have a crossover maybe fall. like a crossover event maybe autumn maybe. <laughs> hey but have see you next fall uh but a catwoman batman detective kind of combo and then when i saw that with shoes that kind of starts to get that maybe involved with a catwoman sort of thing with maybe shoes, so shoes it would be crossover. odd because <sighs> these books are so way off hey, of cancer. Other, maybe but... there's a batgirl in there too Maybe, Eric, but yeah, I heard I heard from a guy. The guy, he's guy. like, hey, guy. I'm like, hey, guy, what's up? And he's like, hey, what's up? You want to hear some rumors? Some more than and the then I think, I think I ended up asking him then, like, if you hear this guy, did you hear, like, any sort of creative team changes or something like no, that? Guy. And he's like, listen, guy, I don't know that much. And I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever. But I reputable. listen to the thing, so hey, I didn't say reputable, but uh, he heard from a guy from a guy. Whisper down a lane, guy. Usually those things usually work out eric but yeah. uh yeah we're both sixes it's again it's just like in real it's, life it's the, <laughs> really I, I was hoping that we were a little better than that no uh, yeah overall it's not the worst book right i'm trying to come up with some sort of oh no harley's way worse than this this week yeah that's true eric that's very just true, tim drake and it's weird because i actually think detective is kind of like a middle of the deal right but I most agree. of the books really are they're really good or they're really bad, but at least, you know, you could go with this and say, hey, hey, guy, pretty good book. I don't mind you. Even action's a high middle, and that's with one shitty story thrown in. Yeah, really. I, I like that, the first two stories, though. But Batman versus Robin number five is next. It's weird at the end of this. This kind of does seem to do the finale, yeah? It ends up <laughs> doing the Lazarus Planet finale, though we still end up having those other books that may kind of tie in. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. It makes it feel like they don't as much now. But Batman like versus Robin number five. It's on the checklist, though. That's really odd. Written by Mark Wade, Art Wonder by Mamarda Sir, Jordy Villar, and Steve Wands. And this was like one of those books that it ends it after you kind of thought it was ended, but it wasn't. And it feels off, but it kind of works, I guess. And it's not. No, this book's bullshit, too. Well, it is, the but it is, isn't in my mind. It's the finale to the Lazarus Planet, the Batman versus Robin stuff that we had all going on, even Monkey Prince bullshit thrown in. And the Monkey Prince, in my mind, is one of the best aspects of this book, because if you remember the Lazarus Planet, we had the devil Nassau take over the Batman's body, and now he's, we have evil Batman who can then somehow take 
the Batmobile and turn it into a hell Batmobile as well because, you know, devil powers. Now he's after Robin. And we have to make sure that we get the devil Nez out of the Batman's body. The only problem with that is that Batman was so on the cusp of death. If we remove the power of the devil Nez, Batman himself will die. And we, you know, the, the good of the many outweigh the good of the few or the one, Jim. So we have to kill, we have to take the devil Nez out, but we have to kill Batman to do it. But that's the worst part about the issue because I am all willing to do this. Even when Damien's like, hey, magical users, Enchantress, Satana, you're here to go help me out. Monkey Prince, he's been doing that monkey clone shit. He's been helping out pretty good too. I want you to kill me and give my I soul thought that, power that would be my a father. huge ending. It would have been so big. This, this is this is big. This is amazing. How are we going to get our way out of this? Because you can't kill Damian Wayne, even if he wants you to. But I can understand the sacrifice. The character would do the sacrifice. I believe this for all the development and growth that the character has. He's not going to be Batman one day. He needs his father to be Batman. And all the good that the Batman will do to the world, Batman cannot die. Sorry, Damian. You're just a little guy. We can't use your soul. He needs way more power than that. And by the end of the story, the big Lazarus Planet event, all the Batman versus Robin stuff, everything we went through, we just kind of do a recap of what we did in those books, and then replay a lot of what we did in those books, where I'm going to call onto the Bat family like I did when we were under the Devil Nassau's power and fight Batman, because I'm going to wear the Batman down the same way I did when I was under control by the Devil Nassau. And then I'm going to ask the world, the, I'm not the world, but Gotham itself, because my little soul is not enough, but if we use little parts of everybody's soul, that'll be enough to resurrect the Batman. So I'm going to call out to the world right now. And with now magic, all of Gotham. Eric, it, it's, right? it's, it's just Dragon Ball Z asking for a spirit bomb. And it was boring. It's boring in Dragon Ball Z. It's fucking boring here. It's even more ridiculous here. Well, it is ridiculous, and it feels again. These are these weird plays yeah. here. <laughs> this weird play again, and you end up. A lot of people are praising Mark Wade. I'm one of them. You're not. You you have kind of been a little more. No, even Keel. Where You're not going to get too excited. And we do like the world's finest. It worries me a bit because I need a solid continuity, especially with this Dawn of DC. And that seems to not be the case, especially with Mark Wade. But that's fine. Well, besides that, the idea where this week there's been a bunch of times that I'm going to keep mentioning somebody's not reading the room. Ram V having Batman, you know, get the city taken from him. We've had this too much. People are sick of it. You're not reading the room. The idea of Batman dying once again. Oh, I just lost my mind. <laughs> even throwing in the idea of Damien possibly dying. We, we've had that. And so. But the sacrifice, it makes sense. The it sacrifice work. is great. And what I was hoping that he was doing. And Mark Wade is a good writer. You know, he's a classic deal. He has so many big stories that I thought that there was going to be more of an idea. And he does get it by the end of the idea that. You know, Damien's probably going through the rest of this, like, for months going, you realize, I like, he's pissed. He's almost like George Costanza tipping, and then somebody didn't see it, so he grabs and then gets caught. I think Damien's going, you know that I was going to sacrifice myself, because it is a big thing, but it didn't really play out that way. For the guy that always believes he's going to grow up to be Batman one day, sacrificing himself for the actual Batman is huge for the development of this character. Yeah, and, and I got these crazy ideas that, okay, you're going to have him do this, but then afterwards, they're like, are you okay, Batman? Wake up. And he's like, Batman? I'm not Batman. I'm Damien. Yeah, but vice versa. I didn't know what not was going to go on. But then by the end, you just end up having pretty much, hey, everybody, kumbaya, wish machine, you know, let's say, and everybody's now, you don't understand that Batman's Gotham, but now Gotham's Batman. And oh, my. And it feels like at some point this might have been big. But at this point of what we've gone through and what we're going through now, 
It's not as big because we've seen Batman die seven times from Sunday. You have pages and pages of people yelling, we are Batman to give the magic. You might as well be watching a Peter Pan play where everybody fucking claps. I believe. Oh, I'm <laughs> clapping, Eric. I do. But again, Tinkerbell's alive. If this was at a point where you can do it. And also, Lazarus Planet has sucked balls. I just want to say that. So anything that's going to happen here is not going to feel as earned as it should. So at the end, just saying, hey, we're Batman. We're Batman. I wanted somebody to like, fuck that. I'm just Jim. I'm not getting involved. You ain't taking my spirit and I just I, run. I'm not even an organ donor. You're not going to be a part of my yeah, soul. Yeah, really. I'm like, screw that. Next thing you know, everybody wants, like, I want some of that. Batman money, uh, he's part of me. I brought him back. There's suits, lawsuits. Uh, but the idea where here's Mark Wade again trying to get you, you end up having the Dick Grayson Damien Batmobile that ends up being the hell deal. It's on fire and it's coming out. I, I don't get it, but it's, all right. I, I, I like that Batmobile, but I don't get what it's doing Batmobile, here on fire. But yeah, all of a sudden it's like the hell charger. All right, here we go. It's the hey, ghost rider. Well the hell charger. It's the Batman rider. Where's Robbie Reyes? So you end up all this going on as Damien gives this narration but even like he's calling everybody it's all a lot of surface level fan service oh my god look at the bat Here's family the rest they of the all bat came. family they're fighting batman and the monkey prince is going to do his clone trick but with me so there's gonna be a bunch of damien's fighting batman until they can't take it no more thankfully we get shifu pigsy enchantress and zatanna to show up to do backwards magic and bind the devil nessa so we can then figure out what we're going to do about extracting him but saving the batman's life i, I want to know exactly what these clones are doing because at one point hey can you make clones of superman yeah i can but they wouldn't have the power and then he just makes clones of damien just a little boy, and he, I know he that he, I know, but I know that he knows some techniques. But I have a feeling that a Superman could punch the shit out of Batman anyway, and might do a better job. But terrible technique. Uh, Devil Nezha is like, oh no, what does this mean? Like really, like you don't understand what's happening. This is part of your kind of world here, but yet you have that going on. You end up having monkey friends. Oh man, where's she for pigs? If we need this, all this stuff, but nothing ever felt like. It meant as big as what it was trying to tell. Because I sat there and I'm like, listen, Batman has died so many times. And and are you going to do that again? I mean, are we really going to go with all the other books that we see all this fucked up shit going on? Suddenly, Batman's going to be dead. That's silly. And Mark Wade goes trying to figure out how the it. Lazarus made it so that the Devil Nassau would go inside that and how it works. And even by the end, after Lazarus Planet, we find out that. There's not even a single ounce of Lazarus resin yeah, left it's gone on now. for the first time in centuries. But I'm like, except for the Lazarus serum we have out, the Lazarus resin that's all over the place. So the we synthetic have a lot of stuff Lazarus. I, I, sw- can- and I swear in like two weeks, somebody's going to be brought back to life by you Lazarus. Know they pen. are. And the thing is, everything erupted. Like, is Angel Breaker okay? Because she was chilling by one in the Harley Quinn Man, book she recently. Was. I, I ended up where I told you I would have been out there mason jars of that Lazarus rain. Holy moly. I'm I'd sure people out. were. You got those people who collect rain in the barrels. I'm sure they have that going yeah, on. But again, is it just now water and not stuff. Lazarus? Because of that. What, what ended up being resolved? Even at a point where you have Mark Wade trying to give you a recap and maybe explanation. He's like, yeah, you know, Nezha, he got all crazy and the thing blew up and the combo of the fate of, of, you know, the helm of no, fate. No, no, no. And that anger. It, I'm like, what? But, but, no, no, no. Figures. It's the best part of the book because Mark Wade, I do believe, read the uh, read the room because what we had going on with what he believed where for some reason it was King Fireball that caused the explosion. Other people within the Lazarus Planet Titus were saying, which what I believed was that, you know, the helm of fate being all magically charged and then breaking and falling in there is what caused it. And this one is like, 
You know what? I think it was both. All right, you got me. It was both. The thing is, he never says about it actually combining with the resin in the, the pits. He just says the Helm of Fate broke and he was pissed. And that's what it did. It. And you don't mention tech anymore. I, I thought it was nonsense. Uh, and so with that, again, you're trying to explain something in the finale that we needed really explained at the beginning. And so by the end, you have some feels. I, I got some feels when Damien got to hug his daddy. And yeah, maybe this goes forward with an idea that, okay. Get a Batman and Robin book out of it, maybe. Yeah, and that's and that's something that we've been wanting. And I also, got that in my regular Chip Zdarsky Batman right now with Tim Drake, so I'm Maybe good. we'll have something with him, you know, whatever. Batman and Robins? <laughs> this also ends up by the end. It doesn't negate everything that Joshua Williamson did to elevate Damien a bit no, either. So, and I was worried about that because we ended up having all this nonsense then. So by the end, though... Damien's going to sacrifice himself. He doesn't have to. He's glad to have his dad back. But we have everything still in place of him being a better leader, even from the beginning in that alpha issue. A lot of people throughout Gotham are walking around without a whole body because some of their soul is missing. Yeah, I mean, what are we going to have a zombie apocalypse now? Maybe. Yeah, Ron's going to be start going around there. Hey, Seriously. if you give me like an eighth of your soul, I'll give you this. Just an eighth. How about a gram of your soul? If you end up by the end being able to tie something into this with these <laughs> it might be neat but again all of a sudden batman is having the he has telepathy now he's having the dreams of all the hopes and nightmares of all the people of gotham and what he it's has like to do it's like having a it. serial killer's eyes eric is what you could have what it could actually lead into is the idea that he has all these parts of other people's souls in gotham pretty much the whole of gotham within him to make his own life force capable once again we go into that night terrors because now he can't sleep because he hears everybody screaming from their own souls maybe eric maybe uh but yeah and then out of nowhere hunt that's what like, I take it. I still see the anger from the earworm. He starts yelling that shit. Oh, uh, yes. I still the think mouth monsters. I, th- I still think Night Terrors, me and you were talking, definitely Dr. Destiny. That it's just gotta ends be, right? Up being underneath. It has to be. The way that it's spelled out. And the thing is, it doesn't even seem like it ties into that Huntress story that we had in Lazarus Planet either. So for what we have with Night Terrors, no. because it's a different thing. Yeah, because he was in the arc of whatever that was, was almost like that Subject Zero type you go yeah, on sub sub basement arkham tower sleepings but with that that night terror story you end up where it it Summer might time. End, and in that i i'm gonna be a little upset because looking at some of the art and seeing things it looks more like the sandman version of dr destiny that doesn't quite look like skeletor yeah, i want I the like skeletor, skeletor version that's the best but but at the end if everything comes about here we may end up getting some good things from this, but this Lazarus but, planet but this has been a wreck. Yeah. It's been a wreck. And we were hoping that the, at least the Mark Wade stuff would tie together well and do this, but this kind of just, I mean, when you have to end with everybody wished that you were there, you're like, yeah, you, you're kind of just clap mailing your hands it in. if you, you believe. Clap your hands, everybody. And everybody, everybody clap, clap your, hands. your hands. We're Lambda, 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 and no, Omega no, no. Moose. Right? I'm doing a little revenge. Hey, I'm not talking about the other sus things in there. I like that rap. Of course you're not. You're always just not talking about what's actually going on. And here comes Weird Science, three feet tall. Break. It's me. Eric, I'm doing the break dance to you. All right. It all works out. Uh, but what would you give this? Ultimately, I think the art is great throughout this whole thing. I love the monkey prints in this, and 
Not a lot else. I'm telling you, you get a lot of fights, but it's a lot of the fights you've already seen just in a different perspective from what we had for the other Batman versus Robin stories. And I hate the ending overall. And I'm just waiting for two weeks for somebody else to be brought back by a Lazarus, like, you know, uh, pit because they just specifically said, no more Lazarus rested anywhere. Seeing the shit nonstop outside of pits, but whatever. I'm giving this a 5.3 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 6. I'll give it a 5.5. And I'm guessing it'll be the Joker, the man who stopped laughing with Jason Todd. He'll, he'll end up talking resin or something, but we'll see. We'll see how what, it what goes. What book did we just have with the serum that wasn't the resin that pissed me off? Was that in the Lazarus Planet? That was Batgirls. Oh, yeah, because that's what brought back Clue Master, yeah. <laughs> so there you go, Eric. Luckily, he came in at the two-minute warning. <laughs> like, we were in the two-minute offense. We're like, holy shit, we better get that Clue Master back, even though he was already back. Ah, go to hell. All these things. But there were some moments. There were some nice moments. You get to have some It was some a page hugs. for Batman and Robin Hugged. One page. I liked it. It got me a little bit choked. <laughs> I love Damien. A lot of people hate Damien. I love Damien maybe, too. maybe this will continue. Especially this growth of Damien. The growth and rehabilitation of him in some people's eyes because it looks like he's going to be even in the movies and stuff like that, which people lost Ooh, their mind. He's in the movies. I don't want that hey, Hollywood little kid. jerk. I don't need that. I don't need that. Uh, I like Damien, but it's hard to convince people sometimes that he is a good character because they only know him from side things. Like he shows up in another book and he's a dick. And that's it's all funny. I like Damien too, like a lot, but I think he is my like least favorite Robin. But the thing is, I love all the Robins, but he's just my least favorite. Second favorite for me. Take yeah. that, Tim Drake. <laughs> and I don't, I don't have that much of a background with Tim Drake and. Megan Fitzmartin, for some reason, has to be my version, and that's not a you good thing. You have an entire decade plus more of a Robin Listen series. Listen here, what do, you, what do you think I can read? I ain't got time for that shit. I got shit to read now, Eric. We, we don't even get enough read. I will go back. I will go back at a point. I actually had uh, an epiphany today about oh, what yeah? they should have done. An apostrophe? Done. Right, and he struck you in the brain, it did. No, I was thinking of the idea that when we ended up, you know, back in the day, we had Convergence. That was that right. idea. Hey, these writers are going to come back moving. and finish yeah. things. Made no sense. It was more. It was a better idea when they did it the first time with that DC retro. When you had that before, oh, yeah, which nobody yeah. talks about, right? But if you never had that convergence, never had any of that, and what we had after the uh, death metal when Wonder Woman opens up the timeline, don't forget future thing end. matters. Well, I'm not even talking about that shit. I'm just talking when Same we're gonna, when we're going to reboot stuff and, okay. and do this, where the idea. Wonder Woman opens up the timeline. I need the help of everybody from any time and any kind of boom. They come in. And then instead of that future state, which was just, again, a stopgap because new regime had no idea what the fuck they were doing. If you would have had some older writers come back and give those tales that never were finished as a way to solidify the timeline. In the meantime, maybe have some of them work with these newer writers and then go forward with that. I think it might have been something that could have been pretty good but they didn't do that we had future state they're throwing shit at us and then we get you know writers I think future like state a, was just trying to work around what we had for 5g and still trying to make shit work without doing 5g only stories that they had and they had no idea what else to do so they ended up throwing it out but like somebody like Aaliyah williams doing power girl doesn't seem to even know or care anything about power girl it doesn't even feel like power. DC you doesn't have, care like about it either yeah, and that's the problem. And I even said where I do like Mark Wade's writing, but I'm starting to get more and more worried. I don't know if you saw this in the Slack. And if you want to get involved in the Slack, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash science. But I started saying 
And I threw it out there to kind of trigger some people. You know, you know me, right? Sure. <laughs> you know me, OPP. I ended up saying I'm getting worried that Shazam is going to be a book that's like World's Finest. And I knew people would say, well, I'm fine that. with It's going to be fun. Yeah. But the problem is we need a continuity and something that's going to be solid going forward with Shazam because the character's all over the place. I think it's just going to be, hey, this is kind of all over the place, and I just I mean, want to no, have fun. It's, it's going to be. It's going to be surface-level nonsense just to try to be a celebration of the character Captain Marvel slash Shazam, whatever you want to call him, and maybe some of the supporting characters. But I think that DC has no idea what they want to do, and they don't want to put their foot down on anything and I wish they and had to. an idea. I, agree. I wish they had an idea. I need it myself. I will enjoy a book that's fun. I'll enjoy a book that's that, but I kind of need more of a, especially with Shazam, you know, a definitive idea of what is happening and where we're going forward. And that's what I'm worried. I'm worried that it's just going to be like, hey, guy, let's just have fun. Let's party, dude. And then we're going to get there. Nobody knows what to do with the character because I don't think DC allows anybody to have any ideas for the character. Well, you're the continuity kid. I'm not. And and at points, I've even made fun of you, Erica. You know, oh, my goodness, about you getting so entrenched in continuity. But at this point, I realize that we are playing the devil's hand. If you don't end up not just a solid continuity, but a solid idea of the characters and synergy amongst the books, you're not going to be able to tell that. Mark Wade may tell the greatest stories, but what is the next person going to do? If you don't establish things, these things they need that we don't need a foundation of sand there. We need better than that. So hopefully we do get a combo of both, but I'm worried. I'm worried of how this goes, but we're going to go off right now. We end up having a bit of mail, uh, which we will go to right now. Who's had nothing but bad luck since Talia came knocking at his door? Lately, Damien's acting weird, answering some mystical call. Lazarus pits off the table, and all the evil they cast. But Neza would shoot the man, and they thought that all the prison would last. It's just a devil It is time for the mail, Eric, and if anybody wants to get involved in the mail section, all they have to do is mail in, and you mail in at Weird Science DC Comics only at mail in. gmail.com. <laughs> Remember at one point when we would talk about when we had parties over at the end of the podcast, and at one point out of nowhere, we seemed to hear different voices amongst that. It was weird. I swear, I just had the same thing with that male song. Like All of a sudden, I'm like, I hear like three in the people background. singing all of a sudden. Like, what is going on? I'm going insane in the membrane, Eric. But here we go. We have one mail this week, and it's from J-Man. J-Man says, hey, Jim. 
What's up, Eric? What's up, Jimmy? I just read the latest issue of Action Comics, and I'm already seeing a very bad trend that must stop. In the first or main Power story, girl. the entire super wow. <laughs> that, that really is. That will stop, though. In the main story, the entire super family seem to be spending all of their waking, non-saving-the-day hours with one another. Is it me, or do, did they do the same thing in the last issue? I have a feeling that the reason for this is some Family mandate time. by DC editorial of what the dawn of DC should be in every series going forward. Now, if that's the case, I don't mind having families together. That's something that I thought for a I while now. I just need now, there to be a reason for it, though. I just want them to actually, and that might be the deal. When I said earlier, I want them to smile a little, whatever. I guess that if they had a reason to be together besides, hey, we're under attack. Oh, my God. Like like a barbecue. Eh, then we'd be fine. It'd be God, funny. I I want to have the new deal. We had Pandora at the beginning of the new 52, right? And that worked out. Yeah. I want to have Buddy Baker being the new guy here in the Dawn of DC. Hey, guys, I just moved in. He's at every barbecue and making them all, you know, non-meat, like a sus Hey, jerk. look, what are you talking about? He's just doing his, his job one well, family at a time. Well, he is. Well, <laughs> maybe, like, he's the new Pandora. You sit there and like, ooh, where did Buddy mess up this person's barbecue? With this nonsense. What do they call this, lobbyists? There's okay to, maybe, there's okay to have an option or something. Like, hey, here's a not dog for you there, buddy. But I want a T-bone. Go to hell, right? You could do that. And then he's like, no way. (laughs) I understand that the twins, Clark Lois and Jonathan, should all be seen together from time to time. Since they live in the same damn house, right? I, I'm just saying, I don't think Colin Keenan has a green card. What's his ass doing? Oh, my God. Is that what they're yelling about in that picture? <laughs> you, you're <laughs> a handsome. I, I love Colin Keenan. He's there. That's the, that is a weird play of the idea that these super characters seem to just be able to willy-nilly go where they, they want. Though, at points, you did end up seeing, say, a Superman. He did respect other countries' borders and things like that until he didn't, Eric. But not a new Superman. Wonder Woman doesn't give a shit. She goes everywhere and causes problems, but still. And uh, I understand that John Henry Irons would hang out with Clark from time to time since Clark has ties to his business. Then says her, does he? It seems that Clark should have his own business endeavors going on in Supercorp. Supercorp. Uh, If we are following the continuity of Joshua Williamson's Superman series. Which I hope we do more as we continue on. I agree. I think that it's one of those things. They need to bleed into each other, but naturally. But just not out of nowhere. Like, we're doing one thing over here. Oh, yeah, and there's Supercorp over here. Huh? No, no, no. we got to do it naturally. You want them both to get hepatitis, is what you're saying. Superman and action comics. Very slowly. Hepatitis. Uh, I don't know if if I was Superman, I'd stay away from old Supercorp. As much as I could. I don't want to be connected to that, though he has to be. That's not true, because they'd offer you a free meal, and you're like, all right, I'm there. No, oh, but I'd be there as Clark Kent. I'd end up like I'm like sneaking in. They're like, who's this guy? He's like, hey, I'm reporting he's, on he's this buffet. He's a world-renowned reporter. Get out of I'm here. I'm reporting on this buffet here. Let me see what's going down here. That is my biggest dream, that I would have worked at a place that you just can eat anything you want, everything in those machines. You are your son. Yes. Uh, Tanya told me uh, yesterday that she had read that there's this cruise. You can go on a three-year cruise. I said, what am I, Gilligan's cruise? And now it's this cruise where you actually just live on the boat for three years, and it's a certain amount of money. I'm like, just think of that. That's the deadliest catch. A buffet every <laughs> every day. Oh, my goodness. And then Tanya goes, you know you'd get sick of it. I'm like, really? Who did you marry? <laughs> you think I'm going to get no, sick of Jim, a buffet? There's no Wi-Fi. Oh, there I go. I can't argue with people that. On the Twitter somehow. Uh, but why would Connor, Karen, Keenan Khan be hanging around Clark's house 
all the time because there's nothing else from the deal. Yeah, what else do they have to do? I mean, this is right after Kara ended up going off to some freaking mind whammy therapy with Power Girl. She's out of it. She's like, I just want to hang out with my family. I don't talk to gibberish no more, family. <laughs> look at me. By my count, there are 13 pages of action in the story and six pages of family filler. Isn't that more like six pages of family awesomeness? And the idea, I think that you're, fine, whatever. you even said of the idea where maybe the filler were those Polaroids of John Corbett, but I kind of like that. Get Daddy, a little bit of a sympathetic of character. Oh, my. If you don't get rid of this gun, son, I'm going to kill your ass. Oh, no. Off to the pond we go. Uncle's mad at me. <laughs> oh, no. Then they're like, hey. Grab this kid and tie him up and let's use him as a pinata in the backyard. Why the fuck you got to say shit like that? Oh, that hits home forever. <laughs> or you could just be uh, my dad. Hey, son, there's nothing wrong with a hard day's work. There you go. Now turn on the wrestling and let me ignore you again. All right. Thanks, daddy. I'm going Sounds down great. to the pond to get rid of this gun. Why don't you use it on yourself? You smile. Oh, God. Oh, my God. God. Why are you saying that? I'm toughening you up. You know that. And then my grandfather's ghost comes in. Keep doing what you're doing. Ah, ghost. And then I fall down the stairs and then ghost grandpa's kicking me. Oh, grandpa. Ghost grandpa goes back into the toilet to go back down to hell. I hate you, ghost grandpa. And then he's like, I'm back to hell. And he goes down the toilet. Right. And then he's like, try to find that boy scout book I gave you. And I'm like, hey, I found it. Found that book of the day of his funeral. That was one of the weirdest coincidences ever, Eric. That or this, was it? The one thing he gave me, and I did coincidence, find it I mean. out of nowhere. And what I should have done is wipe my ass with that thing and say, screw you, Grandpa. Wow. I love the idea that when you end up like your grandfather some guys like that, and you, you have that like real quick idea of, I should do something good because he's probably watching. I'm like, nah, I think I'm going to jerk off again. That's what happened Eric, back in I'm the I'm constantly afraid my family's watching me jerk off from beyond the grave. Side-eyed at me, judging me. There is only a couple givens in this life. Call me Baby Dick Shay. How dare you? Birth, death, <laughs> taxes, and the idea that a guy will always go back to jerking off no matter what. <laughs> There's no way. They could end up like, all of a sudden I get cursed with sandpaper hands. I'm going to make it work here. I'm going to yeah. make it work. There's no More way I'm stopping. I sat there. I told you one of the biggest things, and we do even later on, they end up in the Harley book, throws out a crazy technique to possibly get rid of acting. Where were you all my life, Stephanie Phillips? But in the day where I was so upset that I thought that me, this is the whole play. Me jerking off was upping some sort of hormonal level that was making me have bad acting. The That's thing science. that was the thing that was the scourge of my entire existence. I still couldn't stop. <laughs> I end up like I'm going to stop. I'm going to prove I couldn't do it, Eric. It's impossible. At least if you're going to have family filler pages, give the characters who don't live together a reason why they are spending personal time together. If it is a meeting to discuss current threats, give them a real HQ to hang out in. Oh, like a fortress of solitude. Yeah, they're they're hanging. We got like three or four around. When are we going to get that story? Where you end up where somebody in the super family or the kind of deal goes sus completely and just goes around. Because here's the deadliest move in all the DC universe right now. Hey, hey, guy, you know that that Superman, he's Clark Kent. Oh, no, Strong. 
I need to see if that ever comes to be. Like, that is Stroke. a deadly thing. Stroke. And really, it's all of a sudden Billy Squire kicks <laughs> in, and he's like, lonely is the night. You you love that, right? When God you're there all alone. Oh, it's uh, great, Eric. Lonely is the night because you're all alone. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Right? It Stupid. makes sense. Who sings that song? And don't make it a scene where everyone is standing or sitting around in a certain direction like they are all watching the Super Bowl. Bill Kennedy said that's just how they have to play it. It would be funny if, like, everybody's turned around. Who's this guy? Oh, man, the last time I saw Karish, that was the back of her head as well, Eric. Oh, my. What's wrong with you? That got sexy. Holy shit, Eric. Uh, says Johnson could learn a thing or two from Jeremy Adams, who starts that's with sexy, part of the sexy. Flash family having a backyard barbecue and proceeds to bring the rest of the Flash family together. As the conflict of the story unfolds And yeah, right now, I mean legitimately In a family type vibe of a story The gold standard right now is Jeremy Adams And that flashback is really great The idea that DC has gone to him and said Hey, we're going to go in a different direction Boggles the mind, Eric I don't get it, I don't get it But And uh, he is able to have different Flash members spotlight us So we see what makes each member special over time. I actually like the whole way that Jeremy Adams plays it, where at one point it it carried the book for us. When one kind of section didn't work, he ended up having the kids or vice versa. I thought that was a pretty cool deal. Uh, if I get another issue of Action Comics next month with one third or more of the primary story containing this family filler, I'm dropping Action Comics from my list. Does that shock you, Eric? No, he's not enjoying that main story, and obviously, I don't think he's enjoying the Power Girl story. It's not really, it's not worth the cost at that point in time for a, a story out of time with Young John. It was kind of the the play when I said I almost want to rate it just with that one story because those others just kind of are there to add on, but they didn't raise the price, so I'll give them that. It's bad enough they didn't hold yeah. the line at two ninety nine though. Remember that? It's bad enough that we have an oversized single issue series with an interesting but way too short second story. And a convoluted mess of a third story. That'll change soon, and hopefully we'll get a point. Now, did we ever, did, do you think that we ever got a Urban Legends book where every story hit at any point in that whole I think, run? like, the first six issues were pretty tight. Yeah, yeah, but again, I don't remember the other two stories in those first But we I kind of remember like the, them being pretty tight. <laughs> I can't tell you what they were. I just remember tight. me just kept saying, like, man, you know. Doing the meatloaf two out of three ain't bad, but we had four stories, so it didn't make sense. But then when do I make sense? Are you checking what those stories I were? <laughs> I feel I am not getting my money's worth with a four ninety nine price tag. I, I don't know. I, I I like it, but I recently read and and that's the thing. I do want the family dynamic that in my mind right now, that's bonus because I'm more interested in the Metallo stuff, how it ties in the Lex. That's got me intrigued more than, you know, the family stuff. And and as you Quite eloquently put You don't even understand how Keenan Kong could be there He ended up being all Crazy with that I recently read an article from the DC website Spotlighting a lesser known, at least to me Green Lantern run in the pages of Action Uh, Comics I was was pretty wrong It was a Harley Quinn like pre-Harley Quinn story I mean like before like the Stephanie Phillips Harley Quinn series that we now have It was a story that took place right before that You had obviously the Grifter and the Red Hood stories That we enjoyed But then you also had the Outsiders one Remember with Metamorpho and Katana and Black Lightning Yeah, yeah, that that was a mess All about Katana's past and stuff I'm like, it wasn't great Yeah, remember in the the Ghost Moms and the what she goes from the idea is she lost her sword and that stuff. 
Yeah, that was Brandon Thomas, if I'm not mistaken. It was. And I did not enjoy that. But he's, uh, J-Man's talking about the Green Lantern uh, story. What am I saying? The Green Lantern story in Action Comics by Christopher Priest, who at that point was James James Owsley. Owsley. And M.D. Bright. Sounds like a rapper in my mind. And he ended up giving me, I I did check it out. Uh, DC's pushing it as like the comical story. I'm not aware of it. He wanted to know if you were. It was the story of Hal Jordan accidentally destroying his personal lantern and having to deal with problems going forward as his ring is losing charge and having only 24 hours to use his GL power. Eric, as the aficionado of the Green Lantern, have you read the story before? And what are your thoughts on it? You said that you haven't read it, right? I don't think I have, especially because if it was an action comic story, it would have been off my radar growing up when it would have came out. Like, I'm pretty sure it would have came out when I was growing up. But even the ideas like the 80s and 90s um, Green Lanterns aren't something that I really love. I think they were kind of not great overall. And I only really be- – like, I-, I loved Hal Jordan as a kid, and I thought Green Lantern was really cool. But I only became a real super fan once uh, Emerald Twilight came around and then Kyle Rayner became that. And I got really hardcore invested. But a lot of the stuff like before that with the – the way with the yellow, you can't affect yellow in the 24 hour charge. It, it almost seems kind of silly to me now, even thinking about how like, these were the limitations. I, it's just not something I really like. I could always go back and check it out. I'm sure it might be fun. Like, besides for like hard traveling heroes, though, that era of Green Lantern is just not something I really think back to of really fondly, even to the point where I think that Guy Gardner was way better during the era when he wasn't a Green Lantern and became Warrior. Yeah, I, I end up with when you talk about that and you, you think about things. It seems as if we dodged a bullet because I think that if Brian Michael Bendis would have ended up like, hey, I'm going through the whole deal, guy. Now I'm doing the Green Lanterns. You know what? There's a thousand stories to have that yellow beard. Oh, no. And then you get well, back we, to that. We but almost it's just... had that in the Green Lantern story, though, and the idea they though who, who was the writer on that Green Lanterns with Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz? Because they didn't understand the Green Lantern either. Was like, that was Sam Humphreys. That was awesome. Sam Humphreys, who you could say had a vendetta against him as well at one point. Me and him uh, battled a bit, and then he blocked me because <laughs> I ended up – remember at the one point I had to remind him that Harley was Jewish, and then yeah. he called me out on it and then seemed to look it up and then blocked me. Uh, all right, that's how you play it, yeah. Uh, funny that it's actually mentioned at the end in the Harley it is, book. Yeah. It's at the last second, so I, I did appreciate that. But yeah, the idea of I know that you're a Kyle Rayner fan, and like you said, the action comics—that's a weird play of like, oh my god, it was during that. I I was trying while we were doing this. Maybe I will when we're done this section here. Uh, go and look to see if those are on the app, and maybe I'll even check. I'm it sure out. they were. It I'm was, looking at it right now, it came out in 1988, and that's like around the time. When I'd be reading, and like maybe even a little bit before, but even that part, like I'm saying, this late '80s post-crisis, like Green Lantern, I don't think is very good at all. Yeah, and again, there was stuff that you ended up just recently with Jeffrey Thorne tying back to stuff that you even said you were interested in, maybe that continuing, but it wasn't great overall no, it when it wasn't. came out. So uh, a lot of people but, again, but people love Mosaic. They put it up on a pedestal. I, I don't know if that's still the case, but they used to talk about it all the time on the internet. And I'm like, Sus, Sarah. Mosaic kind of sucked. I'm looking. I'm actually looking at the cover. Pretty cool cover for 621. I actually linked it there. So, yeah, they are in actually, the app. That cover. Wanna... Let's see if I uh, can recognize it. Yeah, see if, if you actually had seen because the thing that is, before. The, I can't say that I read the story, but that concept sounds pretty like, you know, almost like a standard, almost like Green Lantern concept. Just imagine this here. You, you have Action Comics, and it's uh, Action Comics Weekly at this point. It looks like you have a Black Hawk story. Green Lantern, Wild Dog, Secret Six, Dead Man, and then Superman at the end. I'm looking. 48 pages every week, Jim. 
I am looking at the James Owsley deal. Uh, and the MD Bright art, pretty good. Pretty neat. There you go. <laughs> so maybe maybe we'll check that out. Uh, but at the very least, I will enjoy the art as I have seen MD Bright's amazing work in the Emerald Dawn series, he says. And he's wondering if he should try to seek these out. That's yeah, why I, I ended up going. I ended up going to check out, you know, the app that maybe some people want to check this out as well. Some people just will read digitally. You don't need to collect them. Just read them. You don't have to spell it. You eat it. That's what I say, Eric. But at the end, you end up, keep up the good work. And I'll see you in seven. That's J-Man from Half Moon Bay. So shout out to J-Man. And yeah, thanks a lot. And if anybody else wants to get involved in the mail section, again, just emails. You have to emails. Eric says you can't whisper down the lane. You can't go, hey, gay, and, and send me a DM. You have to email. And it's at, but if you show up at Jim's house, I'll allow it. Oh, will do you? It. You don't need that. There was a guy who did threaten to do that at one point. His name sure was Eric Shea. No, there was a I guy who really that. did seem like I should, you know, maybe get a hold Watch of your back. <laughs> at one point, I needed somebody to have my back. I know where you live. You're a tough dude. Uh, yeah. With all that, you email us at you Weird Science. You down, you say. Okay. And that's the thing. When I end up where things like that happen, it usually starts off with me trying to be nice. And then some crazed guy thinking I'm not doing enough for them. And then you are there to say, I told you, guy. Why are you always there? Like, this is why I don't talk to people. I'm like, oh, Fuck yeah. You know. yeah. So email is weirdsidesdccomics at gmail.com. Uh, but that's it. And right now we're going to go off to a little bit of a special section. It's going to be a side deal. I ended up recording earlier today because we have the Metallo story in the Action Comics. And I had been doing a Secret Origins podcast, so I decided to do this. I put it on the Patreon, but I wanted to put it on here so everybody can hear kind of what we do over at the Patreon, at least one of the things. And also with an idea, we're coming up to episode 500, right? I don't know if you realize this, you know. And Eventually. We've, we've had, I know it's one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but we might, maybe I'll mix some things up and maybe throw some extra things in now and again, because back in the day, could I go back and look at some of the show notes and things from the podcast? Stupid, I got you. We had so many different crazy things. and I, At one point, I think there was more of other people on the podcast than us. It was crazy. It was really hard to coordinate all that, but maybe get back to a little bit of that feel as well. But with all that said and done, we'll be back with that Secret Origins, and then me and Eric back with three more books to finish up the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Secret Origins comic book podcast, where I'm going to be going through the first appearance of John Corbin Metallo from way back in 1959, doing this because Metallo is coming back strong in the current dawn of DC Superman storylines. Now, there are a couple different versions of Metallo, and even John Corbin has gone through various origins. We're going to talk about the John Corbin Metallo, who first appeared in the Superman comic strip storyline, The Menace of Metallo, with the first appearance in Action Comics number 252, which came out way back on March 31st, 1959. And Action Comics number 252 is a pretty big issue, since it also contained the Auto Binder and Al Plastino story, The Supergirl from Krypton which was the first appearance and origin of Supergirl. So that's a pretty big issue. Now, the story we're talking about, The Menace of Metallo, it was written by Robert Bernstein, pencils by Al Plastino, inks by Al Plastino, and edited 
by Mort Weisinger. Now, we start off with our introduction page where usually they have something crazy on these pages, especially in the Silver Age. A lot of times it was the Super Dickery page it was called because the writers would try to fool you into, oh, my God, this is a story where Superman kills Batman. This is a story where Jimmy Olsen ends up killing Superman. There's a lot of craziness. A lot of times in these first pages, Superman is acting like a complete jerk. He's treating everybody bad, and then you're, oh, my God, what is this all about? And then you get in the story and realize, oh, that was kind of fake. That was a fake out. This is not a fake out, this first page. You end up seeing Lois and, who we'll find out, is John Corbin standing in the street while a gangster car goes by and does a little bit of a drive-by shooting. This is an East Coast, West Coast rap war, but still, back in the day, drive-by shooting. As Superman flies in, he's surprised because... This guy in a suit, mustache, really like an Errol Flynn type mustache, very cheesy. We'll find out John Corbin. He's deflecting bullets off of his chest. Lois, of course, immediately then assumes that John Corbin is Superman and falls completely in love with him. In the meantime, you get a narration that says, through the years, you have seen Superman locked in titanic battles with the most bizarre villains in history. But now he meets his newest foe, the most incredible and dangerous of them all. The Menace of Metallo. So how does this all come about? Well, we start on a summer night outside Metropolis where John Corbin, reporter, is tuning into some what is now old-time radio, but back in the day, a radio program, Crime File. And so it, it, it basically, if you wanted to update this, he's listening to a true crime podcast here, and he's hearing the kind of crime where a guy thought that he had pretty much covered all his bases but he never wiped off the gun oh my goodness the fingerprints on the gun this guy gets arrested case closed while this is important is because john corbin he has just committed a very similar crime it's just thrown at you he has killed somebody and he not only is a smart reporter but a smart criminal he wiped the gun fingerprints off he ends up where i did the perfect crime i am great I am going to get away with this. You'd never really find out a lot about this crime or what it was all about, but we set it up. Bad guy. He's driving and he is going down this looks like a mountain type road. He ends up going around a corner, loses control, and he crashes his car. Now, in the meantime, you kind of sit there and like, well, it serves you right. You know, karma's a bitch there, John Corbin, but lucky for him, maybe. You end up having another car come upon the scene, and it is an old man and an old lady. You end up finding out that the old man is a professor, Professor Vale. He gets out, and they run to the wreckage, and they end up thinking, oh, my God, this guy is very badly injured. There's an old lady as well who is the housekeeper for Professor Vale. Now, at this point, you would hope they call an ambulance. They end up, or in a, in a comic booky way, this happens to be a doctor. No, he is just a professor who seems to like to experiment on human bodies. And even with him being so sus, you end up having this Edith, the housekeeper, who seems to be kind of, you know, a little bit wary of it, but she'll just go along with it because probably she'll end up as an experiment as well. But really, the start of this ends up John Corbin, reporter and murderer, crashes and then the susest of sus 
professors comes by and says, oh, this is something that I he, he tries to make it seem like he has to do this. The only thing that I can do is what I do. And what I do is turn people into giant metal men. And so that's what he does. He ends up taking the body back to his lab. It looks classic sci-fi lab, including having like this big ray gun type thing that they don't really use, but it always makes me laugh. And he ends up changing up John Corbin's body to be just a metal man. He is completely made of metal. When he wakes up, he's amazed. Oh, my God, you saved my life. Thanks so much, Professor. Thank you so, so much. And Professor Vale says, well, don't thank me until you see exactly what I've done. And he ends up taking, you know, off this nightshirt that he's wearing. And indeed, he is just made of metal. And it goes as far as Professor Vale showing an x-ray of John's arm. And it, it's metal. He says that I made a synthetic rubber skin to cover up all the metal so people don't think that, you know, you're a monstrosity. But in the meantime, you have this big open chest that you have to open up this door and you need to keep supplying your heart with uranium. Now, that doesn't go with what we're usually used to, but you do end up having Professor Vale say uranium, you're going to have to replenish each day. But there's something else that might fuel your heart. And I'll let you know what that is. Right about now, oh no, there's a landslide outside that ends up where a bunch of boulders come down and hit the the lab, and it doesn't end up killing Professor Vale. In fact, it just kind of hits the building, but all of that ruckus ends up having, Professor Vale has a stroke. He ends up just falling over face plants, boom. And John Corbin goes over to him and is like, oh my God, he's had a stroke, but the hell with that, I'm getting out of here. Now, it was right at that point, again, the professor was about to tell John the idea of kryptonite being able to fuel this heart and wouldn't need to be changed every day. But John doesn't know this yet. He just knows he needs uranium. He ends up leaving the professor, leaving him for dead, and pretty much goes, opens the door, and punches his way out of all the rocks from this landslide. And he realizes, oh, my God, I'm really strong. I am so strong that I think that I could change my whole life around to a life of crime. He is the idea where he needs uranium. So he is going to go on a full out crime spree to try to get uranium or he'll die. I mean, you can't really blame him that much about it. And at this point, I think that maybe and there's a couple of times Professor Vale, maybe he could have. You know, made sure that John would survive, but then take him to a hospital. So you go at this point, maybe John Corbin should go to authorities and kind of say, look at what happened. Oh, my God, the sus professor who just had a stroke. He turned me into a metal man. I don't know. But instead, he decides I'm just going to work with this. And he ends up going and uh, applying for a job at the Daily Planet. There's a lot of things that just happen. I mean, the idea that he's now. Metallo, the metal man, but then he still has to have a job. So he goes, he applies, and you end up, Perry gives him a job. And so he brings him out to talk to all the other reporters, basically just Lois and Clark. And Clark comes over, goes to shake hands with John Corbin, and John Corbin legitimately 
seems to try to break Clark's hand. He ends up squeezing, pleased to meet you, Mr. Kent. Uh, and you end up having Clark, he has to pretend that this hurt, but he says, golly, what a grip. He's got a hand of iron. I had to pretend a strong grip hurt me, or he'd guess I'm Superman. But why is John Corbin doing this stuff? Why is he there greeting a fellow reporter, knows nothing about Clark Kent, and pretty much tries to break his hand to the point where Clark has to pretend that, oh, man, that hurt. So then you end up where John goes over to Lois and gets completely sus. He is not woke. That is that's clearly the case because he grabs on to Lois and will not let go. And she ends up saying, sorry, I'm not hungry because he goes, hey, I go for you, baby. You're a cute number. How about lunch? You know. Standard pickup lines in 1959 and probably would work a lot of times, but not with Lois. Lois ain't going for that. And she says, oh, my God. And I love the idea back in the day. And I wish this was something that they did more of now where Lois, she's cold as ice here. She doesn't like John Corbin. So her word bubble is frozen. It, it, it seems like it's just ice and frozen and snow. And she says, sorry, I'm not hungry. Now remove the grip of iron. I don't like it any more than Clark did. And you end up, John Corbin, all right, well, this sucks. I thought I was going to get a date. But in the meantime, I kind of need to find some uranium. I'm going to and almost the idea that he seems to think that the Daily Planet would get a lot of stories coming out about uranium, which they kind of do, but it makes no sense. But the idea he'll know what is what. So he says, I need some uranium by tomorrow or I'm done. I got to get it fast. Suddenly, you end up having a story come over the wire. That a nuclear atomic submarine, the submarine Neptune, is in distress. Now, right away, you're thinking, all right, how is this going to play? Because the submarine is actually trying to make the staying submerged record. They're only three days away, and they're going to end up, their air system kind of broke. There's air is running out. They're going to have to surface. So it's almost the idea the story isn't that the submarine is in peril. They're only in peril of not being in the world records book. So they're all upset. Everybody seems to be into this. Oh, those poor sailors, they're not going to get the record. Well, Clark, here's this. You think in your mind, though, that, okay, nuclear sub, uranium. All right, this is going to be where John Corbin goes. But how could he? He's not a superhero type guy. Now, we're not sure at this moment if he has to breathe underwater or anything. It's played out that he has a metal body with his human brain kind of implanted by Professor Vale. But you don't know any, and that's not what happens. It's a weird play that this is just to get Clark to get into the Superman deal and go off to save the sub to let there be some room for John Corbin to go and steal uranium around town because, you know, that's just laying around town. Well, Superman goes off, and I do like from back in the day that he runs into the storage room, he changes into a Superman costume, but in that he also grabs his Clark Kent clothes, and he pushes them and compacts them into a ball and then inserts them in his cape in a little thing. So he has those. I actually like that from back in the day. But what happens then is Superman goes off. He finds the sub. He ends up right before he goes underwater. He draws a real deep breath. Hopefully he hasn't like eaten a lot of garlic or something recently. Hopefully he's brushed his teeth. And everything is, you know, kosher there because he goes down and runs up to one of the, you know, submarine ports there where they end up having the torpedo hatch 
and he blows air into there. He just blows air and says, that's enough air for 100 men for six days. And then you end up seeing inside the sub where at first it looks like this guy might have been hit with helium or he can't stand the smell of the halitosis from Superman's breath. But it's actually he's cheering. Oh, that's Superman. He did it. We don't have to surface. We're going to get that world record, boys. Take that, you commies. I don't know why this is that important, but they end up they're going to be able to beat the submerged record. All right. So we go back to Metropolis. And while this is going on, there is John Corbin, not dressed up as anything crazy. He's just in his suit and tie and he's going around and he's stealing uranium. It's starting a trend here where John Corbin, he doesn't like using doors. He doesn't like when, I mean, at points he just runs through walls to get to places. He doesn't like opening safes. He doesn't like opening desks. He smashes everything. It is John Corbin's smash. And in a way where he bragged earlier about being this great criminal, perfect crime stuff, he is leaving such a trail here. I mean, he is there. Okay, there's a door there, but no, I'm going to go through this wall at the Metropolis Research Laboratory, and I'm going to grab this uranium that at this point is just sitting on the shelf in a box. Troubles, right? So he grabs that. Then he goes to the hospital. Then he goes to the Science Institute. Then he goes to the U.S. Army Project X-4 with the keep out sign. He doesn't listen. He goes right in, grabs all this uranium. Now, in that uranium, these boxes do look like they're almost like laundry detergent boxes, but at least somebody was, you know, for withal to to put danger on it they ended up realizing there's danger of this uranium in this laundry detergent box so we'll let people know but he grabs all this uranium it's enough uranium for a little bit but it's still not going to be enough you know forever and there is that nagging deal of what was the professor talking about this other power source that i can use that i will not have to replenish this way because eventually you're going to run out of uranium you're going to run out of places you can go and even john corbin as he does this says i got to do all of these in a row because the minute that they realize that somebody is stealing uranium they're going to lock the stuff down it's going to get harder and harder for me to end up getting it so he has some for now but he's got to figure out a plan now we end up because of his you know path of destruction they are on it you even have the media They are announcing and naming him that this is Metallo, the metal man, public enemy number one. He is a robot and he's stealing uranium. Now, in that, I don't really know how they really get this idea, especially even if they saw him. He's got that skin around him. It's very odd, but they go with it. They announce it and you end up having John, Lois and Clark. In the Daily Planet listening to this report And you know they're doing some stories On it as well But then you get this crazy story that comes over Oh my god this just in The big actress Sherry Blair has just announced That she's going to go over Niagara Falls In a barrel so that Superman saves her from You know death And you end up with Clark there hearing that And he's like, oh, God, what is going on here? This is nonsense. These people keep doing stuff like this. He is pissed, but he's got to go. If he doesn't go, this Sherry Blair will die. Not many people survive going over the falls in a barrel, so he he has to do it. 
in the meantime, he's already trying to figure out, I got to do this, but I can't let it be known that I'm saving her because then I'm never going to get away from this stuff. This is going to happen all the time. Well, when Clark leaves, he does mention, hey, Lois, I'm going to have to go. I have my stomach hurts. It's those pickles I ate. Of course, Lois, there to be Lois, says, I ate those pickles too, Clark. Why are they affecting you, you weak stomach jerk? And he's like, I don't know. Oh, my God. He, like, runs off because he has diarrhea. So he runs off. But he also says, I'm worried about you, Lois. You end up having this problem because you just exposed this criminal gang, and they might come and shoot you. That's where we get that beginning page. So she's there. But at that point, she doesn't care about anything except for making eyes at John Corbin for some reason, because at this point, she still should think he's sus. But she's like, oh, and they're kind of like giggling about, oh, look at that guy with his diarrhea from the pickles. What a jerk. And Clark goes off. And when he's flying to Niagara Falls, he ends up, as I said, trying to figure out that idea. I, I have to do this so nobody sees me, because if this happens, I'll never, uh, uh, it'll never end. Everybody's going to be doing these stunts and things. So I got to do it. Now, everybody, you know, listening has to try to explain to me. What do people actually think is happening then? Because what you have going on, he shows up as the barrel is going over the falls. So what Superman does is he goes into the falls, into the water, says that he's, oh, I'm like a salmon. I'm going to go upwards. I'm going upstream. And as the barrel's coming, he goes hidden by the water, but sticks his arm out to grab the barrel to then fly up and throw it down the river. And then it lands, it breaks open, and he goes to check. And Sherry Blair, actress, she's fine. She ends up, oh, my God, I don't know what happened. She says, I must have hit a rock, and it deflected me that way. It makes no sense. Of People just sitting there like, oh, man, what happened? This barrel just ended up flying itself up and then way down the river. But that's what they go with. And Superman, rest assured. Nobody will continue doing those stunts again. Well, in the meantime, in Metropolis, you end up having what Clark worried about. You have the gangsters go by drive-by shooting. They're trying to gun down Lois Lane. Luckily, John Corbin is there. He doesn't seem to even jump in front. He's just there and walks in front of the gunfire that deflects off of his metal chest. He's made of metal. Lois sees this and says, oh, my God, he's Superman. I'm in love. Oh, my goodness. And just throws herself at John Corbin, says, don't bother to cover up the bullet holes in your suit, darling. You're Superman, the man I love. And stupid me, I was brushing you off. I'll make it up to you from now on. And John Corbin's like, holy crap, I just hit the jackpot. And then gets this idea of, first off, they go to lunch at the Chinese restaurant. You hear all these reports about Metallo. But John figures out, wait a second, you know what? I am the spitting image of Superman, except for this cheesy mustache. I'm going to get rid of the cheesy mustache, and I'm just going to go around as Superman. I can get the uranium because they also announced, like he was worried about, they're locking down the uranium over at Fort Tabor. So he figures, if I dress up as Superman, I'll shave my mustache, I'll go. I'll go to Fort Tabor. I'll say, hey, I'm here to check in, make sure that this Metallo guy doesn't come by. And then in the meantime, I'll steal the uranium and get the hell out of those. So he does that. Well, he gets to Fort Tabor, and you have to be reminded that, yes, in fact, Metallo, the metal man, he is super strong. So he goes up to a serviceman and says, hey, what's up? I'm here to protect that uranium from that Metallo. And by the way, 
look at me. And he picks up this Jeep. Look, I'm super strong. And they're like, man, you are Superman. This is great. And then he just makes a beeline to where they're storing the uranium, doesn't open the door, crashes through the metal door, and then grabs this giant uranium barrel, puts it in his car, and takes off. Now, in the meantime, the real Superman does show up. Superman shows up thinking, okay, I'm going to check on this. This is where Metella would go. So it leads him there. Oh, my God, two Supermen. And you end up where at first John Corbin thinks that he's going to stop Superman by throwing a bronze deer statue on him. He throws that. Superman just punches it and then uses his super breath to push the car aside and then to push the uranium barrel out of the car to safety. And he's about to take down John Corbin. But then he ends up hearing that there is problems over at this big art exhibit where they're making a big Atlas statue. And as they are putting the earth down with Atlas, the cables break. And he's, oh, crap, I I wanted to take down Metallo here, but I'm going to have to go and save people. And this exhibit and flies over and catches this giant earth, right? Where in this... First off, the people that are in danger, they're in danger because they're not running away. This is nothing that Superman really had to do. Even so, this this Earth isn't that big. It's just a big round stone ball that's just going to fall. They just need to get away. But there you go. Superman has to save them. In the meantime, that gives John Corbin the, the wherewithal. It gives him the time to go and visit. <laughs> we get back to uh, the professor, Professor Vale. Thank God he's survived a stroke. He's wheelchair bound now, but he's making a recovery. You end up having John Corbin go back. Hey, Professor, it's me. I'm glad that you survived. I won at this point. The professor to say no thanks to you. Now beat it, buddy. But he ends up saying, can you tell me this other power source? And you end up having Professor Vale said, why, of course. It's kryptonite. It's something we all would know now. But again, at this point, oh, my God. The thing that ends up hurting Superman is what's going to power up Metallo. That's pretty cool. Now, where do you get some kryptonite? Well, you end up, luckily, Professor Vale has some. Now, he had some. Why didn't he just use this right away? He started off the process with just giving John Corbin and his heart the uranium when maybe he could have used some of that kryptonite, though he does say, I'm using it for experiments. Because he's trying to help Superman He actually says I'm looking into a way That I could find out that Superman would no longer be hurt by kryptonite I have some samples but I guess if you're in dire need of them You can have them They're over there across the room in my safe Now again you would think John Corbin Okay well thank you Uh, You want to open the safe? You want to give me the combination? No 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 he runs over and just smashes it at the top And breaks the safe I want Professor my safe. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Why are you hurting me like this? But the safe is now destroyed. And you end up having John Corbin. He has a way to power up his body forever. But instead of doing that, he gets a little greedy right away. He decides that he is going to go to and trap Superman in the big Metropolis exhibit hall. Where they are having a giant memorabilia of Superman exhibit. He's going to and thinks that Superman will be by to check it out, whatnot. It's after hours, it seems, but you end up where he sneaks in. He's dressed as Superman at this point. So he goes in, 
and he ends up seeing things. There's a fourth dimensional bomb. There is the giant key to the Fortress of Solitude there. There is an interplanetary clock, all this memorabilia. But what he does is he grabs the, the, the kryptonite that he got from the professor and he puts it on the piping in the ceiling. He puts it above in the piping and then sits and waits. In the meantime, right where he is, there is a box that says sample of kryptonite. So his plan here is to draw Superman in and then Superman will get sick because of the kryptonite there. But then he'll grab the other sample of kryptonite, which doesn't make sense because that's there too from Superman. But all this goes around. He thinks that he's going to be able to kill Superman with his kryptonite and then grab Superman's kryptonite and go and power his heart. Superman shows up, immediately gets weak. Oh my God, what's happening? Oh, it's that kryptonite and the piping. Oh, what was me? And you end up having John Corbin laugh. All right, I killed Superman. I'm the greatest. I'm going to go off. At this point, he may even think that he should get rid of Superman's body to maybe impersonate Superman from here on out and then do sus things. But he just is happy that he has this kryptonite. He goes away and he puts the sample that he got into his chest and away he goes. He thinks that he's set for life. This is great. In the meantime, Superman is in big trouble. He's weak. He thinks to himself, well, I have tried in the past melting kryptonite with my heat vision. I wasn't able to do it, but maybe I can concentrate and do it now. And he does. He ends up melting the kryptonite. It goes away. It allows him then to boom. I'm good to go. And I better go stop Metallo at this point still dressed up as Superman. So what happens is you end up where John Corbin, again, I think he's getting kind of greedy he wants to go and you know smooch with lois so he as superman goes and goes into lois's apartment and says hey there baby it's me it's the supermans let's smooch and lois says whoa 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 what's going on because as this was going down it seems as if john corbin metallo he accidentally ripped his superman suit going into the window and now his metal body's exposed. Lois immediately says, you're not Superman. You're Metallo. You're sus. Get out of here. And you have John Corbin Metallo about to, you know, beat up Lois. He just falls over. Boom. Probably a clank as he hits. He hits the ground. She's like, oh, my God, he's dead. What happened? It looks like he had a heart attack or something. But, you know, he's kind of a robot. What's Gibbs? Superman then shows up. Oh, my God. Thank goodness that you're okay and by the way the thing that happened here is is this metallo he ended up stealing my sample of kryptonite it wasn't really kryptonite it makes sense that it isn't why would he be taking kryptonite around and putting it in an exhibit so it was just a green rock he painted a rock green and you end up where you have john corbin thinking this kryptonite puts it in his chest and there's nothing to fuel his heart and he died he ended up dying of heart failure, and that's that. He is done, done, and done. In the meantime, just to make it so that you're like, okay, everything wraps up, and that John Corbin was such a piece of crap, you end up the police figure out that that perfect murder that we really don't know anything about, John Corbin, he wiped off the gun of fingerprints, but he didn't wipe off the cartridges for the bullets, and they had his fingerprints. He's guilty, but he's dead. 
so it doesn't matter. And then at the end, you end up having Superman laughing at the face of death when you have the police commissioner say, oh, by the way, Corbin thought he'd committed the perfect crime. And then Superman says, I know, Inspector, he was dead wrong. I'm like, oh, Superman, don't go there. And while that's happening, Lois is there still wondering what the hell happened and maybe should kind of get in her mind not to fall for everybody that she thinks is Superman when, in fact, Superman has been under her nose this whole time. There's also a little play that at that Chinese restaurant when John Corbin and Lois went out, she ended up getting a fortune in the fortune cookie that ended up being very prophetic that ended up saying neither faint heart nor false heart air won a fair maid. And then she's like, oh, my God, it makes sense. Boom, 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 done. It's funny. It's fun. It's that beginning of Metallo. It's more of a John Corbin story, but he happens to be Metallo. And even that name is kind of a, a cool deal, especially because he is a man of steel. And then, you know, he goes against the man of steel. You get it? That's pretty cool. But this idea that he impersonates Superman, then he needs this. He, he's just completely a jerk throughout. But again, he's a jerk. And by the end, karma did get him. Karma ended up getting him by the very end. And he's dead. And that's kind of that weird play. A lot of times nowadays, you're, you're not going to have a first appearance and kill off the character because then he can't continue. But as we know, you can continue with them anyway, especially a robot man who just needs to fuel up his heart. So later on, I don't know if you realize this, but he does come back. He comes back strong. So, yeah, there you go. The first appearance of John Corbin Metallo from back in 1959. Pretty cool issue. And again, the issue had the origin and first appearance of Supergirl as well. So this is a really big issue. And then it had a Congorilla story that may not be so important, but still kind of funny. But there you have it, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed this return to the Secret Origins podcast, something that I really do enjoy. And I'm going to start doing a bunch of these shows that, you know, get us back to some classic stories, things like that. At the moment, we've had some people come and go because, well, they're not enjoying what's currently going on at DC or Marvel. And so I figured, well, let's all talk about stuff where it was great and good and fun. And, and that's what we'll do, including, you know, the current stuff as that continues to possibly and hopefully improve. So there you go. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this, and I will talk to you all later. Yes, Eric, that song was written a while ago. Yeah. And that parody deal. So, Still with all up. of that, maybe 
maybe there's a reason why people like Punchline, but I, I don't see it as much as I thought. The idea of James Tynan introducing the character did take off a bit. I kind of got lost in that whole trial nonsense that really didn't play out well, but you've been you there. You get lost walking out of your front door. Well, I just, my interest got lost. And wow. then in this, and there's a weird thing in this section of books, because we're not even going to start with either Punchline or Harley. Uh-huh. We're going to start with Blue Beetle. But I think that some of these books, the writers, either they're trying to do too much or they lose focus on what maybe is the most important thing going on in their books. And then they might end up losing some of the people reading them, which I do kind of think with a bunch of these, even though the one is the Harley Quinn that we're going to end that, you know, Stephanie Phillips run. Thank God. But we're going to go up to Mariko, not Mariko Tamaki, Teeny Howard. So we'll see how that is going to play out. But let's get right into it, Eric. What are we starting with? Blue Beetle Graduation Day, number four, written by Josh Chirillo, with art by Adriana Gutierrez. I'm sorry, Adrian Gutierrez, Will Quintana, and Lucas Gattoni. What's with the rim shot? What's with the rim shot, yeah? I don't know why. <laughs> I was looking at something funny to you. Well, right now, am I Sus. funny to you? Uh, we ended up, because of the stupid recording software, we're doing an old deal, and I'm, I'm sitting there looking because I didn't realize that now that we loaded up this other thing, I have different sound effects. So I was just like hovering over them, seeing what they are. But the way this is played out, but the thing is, it's different. The the way this plays out is different than the other way. And there is a scroll bar. Well, I have to go with the stupid scroll bar to see them all. The other way, you don't have that. They're all there. I don't know why it was ever a thing. I went to hit the scroll bar and then it's shot. And then I was just going to let it go with it. But then I was going to make sure. Uh, yeah, I did that, Eric, because you messed up their name, right? That's what happened. Yeah, that's why. Oh, here we are. But I, I think that there's this play here. Me and you, even when we were doing the Patreon spotlight, at the end, we usually do give everybody, hey, everybody, these are the books that we're going to be talking about this week. And when we said Blue Beetle, me and you both are like, yeah, like, hooray. We like the character. And, yeah, what's going on with the horizon? Is this going to end up being a reach invasion? Paco's workout regiment, because that boy is looking fit. Yeah, he is. Uh, But when you get to this, like you already mentioned with, say, a Ram V, that you're just piling stuff on top of each other. Boy, this issue, like, you, you don't have many issues left, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to add five things to this. There might be something dastardly about Victoria Cord while we have a offshoot of the Reach who are the Horizon possibly invading Earth on top of everything else. My, As Fadeaway you, comes into town to talk who, about his grandfather. Who is the grandson of the Fadeaway man, the arch nemesis cool. of Hawkman. And that is cool, but doing a subplot to a world invasion is not what you That's do right now in a mini. That's my big problem. And Again, I think that some of these things, and while I'm reading it, I'm sitting there like, all right, you, you went in with Invasion. You know, at first it seemed Reach, then you end up getting the Horizon. Okay, we're, we're going to even establish some different things there. Jaime himself might be a threat due to the alien technology that they think's invading, so we have to get him off the, like, you know, the front lines, make sure that he's not doing any blue beetling because he could put himself and everybody else in danger, because for the most part, he could be a reach soldier, a scarab warrior at this point in time. we got to make sure that we watch this boy and what he's doing, because shit's about to get real. And on top of finding the new secret history of the Reach and the offshoot known as Horizon, who have their own (laughs) scarab armor, who are the sworn enemies of the Reach along with anybody else, you have all of this going on on top of Fadeaway, Paco, Brenda, Cord Industries, Cord's new sister, Victoria, and what, all the magical high-tech items that she's keeping locked away in a vault. And I'm like, it's too much. It's, and 
I, I like what you're doing. I like it if it was an ongoing and not part That's of the my same exact story. Point. That's the only thing I have in my, my notes. This should be an ongoing the way it's being written. I'm not saying that it's popular, people are loving it, whatnot. Me and you like it enough. But when you start off Invasion, and then I even said right away. That's enough. You ended up starting that. Putting him in a new city. Remember, I even said to you, though, right away, okay, there's an invasion, but okay, Batman and Superman, they go off, they they have, oh, we're going to leave you. And it didn't feel like, you know, you had Jaime really getting the idea that this is important stuff. It's already, it was off. Oh, on top of that, Starfire coming in to be his mentor for no reason. It's just too many things. And so when you get this fadeaway stuff, I sat there and I'll pull back and say, boy, if you just had this story, that's a pretty good story. The idea of you know, getting fun, a classic actually. fadeaway man into this and having them there and they want to go and get these things. Yeah, it's a scavenger hunt type deal, but it feels like fun. And remember one of my other things. I don't want to toot my own horn here, Eric, oh. or anything, right? Uh, How but dare you? I said at the beginning, what I needed and what I think this book needs and what Jaime needs is a a story that is fun, that gets people to you see what the fun things, why you would want to like Blue Beetle. And I think that that could have been done with Fadeaway. I think that and you even get, you know, Brenda and Paco involved, too. We didn't even have to leave town. But even if they did, they come in. And I like that idea that, oh, my God, this is my arch nemesis and you ended up having them come into town like once we we end up i know and well they even say it it's funny and but the idea when they do that it's the twist of maybe he you know maybe they're not as sus maybe they're there then they seem sus again later but even so i thought it's fun and it but it's not big enough to take over for a story of Invasion <laughs> and two other Beatles out there. Like these are the bigger things. And then oh, by the go. end of this, by the end of this, when you end up, yeah, really, the only one's alive, and I'm worried about Paul. But still, you end up by the end, even. Oh man, I hope Batman doesn't hear. And at that point, shit is just getting thrown at you, <laughs> at, like out of nowhere. It's too much. It's you know piling up. Even at the point where Paco and Brenda, they're in the whole court industries. Looks like they are going to get taken down. They're going to get taken to the deal. They'll not be seen again. They just get thrown out of the building. They go, man, this is awesome. I'm like, now don't you come back, you kids. Yeah, I mean, what? What are you, flow? That's the thing. We're going through a lot of this whole thing because on top of the invasion angle, we have one of the, like, you know, the Horizon Beatles who were sent after Jaime, captured the court industries. uh, Dynastis is what their name is. And then you also have the one that's, I'm trying to get to the point because they have a new name for it, too. Natida. Natita, N- yes. Natita. Natita is the shape shifting, you know, like size. It's the green the, beetle. The green beetle, that's the whole thing, but it has like size manipulation powers as well as all these other things. So it has a lot of powers that Jaime doesn't have that we haven't fully explored. We and I should can't be see focusing on these though. And even the idea of Damascus no, being Ziamora. Yeah, Ziamora, she's locked up. We, we enjoy this stuff and it, it seems like they want to expand the whole, you know, deal with this horizon and stuff. But why are you not doing just that? Why are you now it's a side plot because Fadeaway has brought Paco and Brenda to Palmera City in order to help find his great grandfather's bag of tricks, which he stole from, you know, from uh, like um, the hell is it? um, The hell was the character's name? It was um, 
Oh, fuck me. I can Star Spangled Kid's sister, Mary the Girl of a Thousand Tricks, but it's her bag, her her thousand trick bag, and it was stolen by his gr- grandfather, sold to other people, and Victoria Court has now sold it. So we got to get it back and get it back to the rightful owner because that's what we're doing now. We're stealing old stuff that's been stolen from the rich to give back to the original poor owner, it seems like. And in order to do that, we're going to have the team of Fade Away, the pseudo arch villain of Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle, Paco, but we're going to have this whole heist Paco situation of breaking Jack. in. I'm telling you, this kid was a chubby little Jack. asshole, and now he is the man. I'm like, what have you been an doing asshole. on the summer vacation? He's a nice guy. <laughs> chubby little you're, asshole, you're Jim. You're just mad because he's in good shape I am, I am mad. I mean, he is stacked. At that point when he's like got his arms there on his hips, I'm like, holy crap. What are you doing? What is his workout plan? But this story, this high story of breaking in the court industries without Victoria or Ted finding out because Jaime was given an intern pass. This is really some fun stuff that I want to be, but we cannot separate ourselves from the main story because even when we get there, the whole idea is like, all right, I'm going to do this while Paco and Brenda are doing a distraction over here. Jaime, you go do this. We'll make our way to the vault. We'll get this whole. Eventually, it just turns out the fade away is like, okay, I have this. And now, haha, I fooled you suckers. I'm, I'm getting out of here. And Victoria, she's on the up and up because she makes sure she pretty much has a a uh, red vault, essentially, to keep all the most dangerous items out of the hands of people who don't need it. She's keeping everything safe, so she's on the up and up. Fade away plate, everybody. But during this whole heist situation, Jaime goes and shuts off the power to the building, which undoes uh, Ziamara's force field, which allows the gold beetle to break free. So now we have one of the like the horizon beetles out and about, along with the green beetle, who want Jaime and Tip Court Industries dead, but now they're just out and about with a like a, an invasion angle, but we're not Fighting that as well, because now even Batman has developed a like put the, together a team of superheroes to make sure and we that's can take another thing down added if we have it on. It's, it's, it's just we might so as well have crazy. A, a Justice League International with the way that he's yeah. putting teams together. But just even you know the idea of like Paco and Brenda being here. Why did we go to Palmera City? Why did we have to leave El Paso when they're just going to show up here anyway? And I think it's gimmicks that you were you were uh, trying to remember earlier. The, the oh, yeah, character so, that ended and up. And that's even the idea. The gimmicks, I think, was her daughter. So that's yeah, the whole Jacqueline idea. Jacqueline yeah. Pemberton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the niece of Star Spangled Kid. That's this what it is was. the thing. Usually I don't write a lot of notes. But when you have characters, and I have a ton of notes for this, of just character names and things. But the idea that you are playing into the fadeaway man, Anton Lamont. I yeah, thought yeah. that was really neat. Yeah, it is really cool. Even having like a legacy villain. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people would know the character, but that's a cool thing. Yeah, with this cloak there. Uh, But when you're going into this again, when I said at the beginning, like, okay, Invasion, that's so big. But why couldn't we have some fun with the character to really show why we would want? Yeah, if it does well, let's get Invasion the next miniseries. And this, let's have Jaime, Paco, Brenda having some fun, showing how cool the, you know, the Scarab is. Right away, we end up where... You know, the Kajada thing, it, it ends up not being able to talk to him. So that plays it off. Everything yeah, it seemed it. to be a weird deal. And so when you get to this, it almost feels like after all these issues, we only have two more issues left. And all of a sudden they said, oh, whoa, and we whoa, continue whoa. to stack. Yeah, it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, we need to have fun now. No, it's too late. That should have been the beginning. This should have been a 12 issue arc, six issues for the invasion, six issues to have fun with Fade Away, something along those lines, especially when you have the idea that, you know, Heine's in the doghouse with Ted Cord now because of his, you know, his part in breaking into the company and stealing a goddamn item for a supervillain. That's a problem on top of the invasion where Kanji Da might be a problem for the rest of the world. But when Batman has to freaking send in a team of Black Condor, Cyborg, Wally West, Jessica Cruz, and Captain Marvel Shazam, I'm like, 
look, like you got to go in there. There's alien forces in Palmyra City. You got to take them down. If Jaime Reyes gets in your way, don't let him get in your way. I'm like, oh shit, I want to see this fight. I want to see what this means. But I don't want it to be rushed. You've set up all of this fun stuff. And now it just seems like a, a race to the finish line. And I don't want that. I want to be able to sit back and enjoy it. But you've added too many like things that I want to see that don't have enough time to play out. But yet when we're reading them, they seem like fun. I mean, this yeah. fadeaway deal seems like fun. And I thought it was a th- fadeaway was originally a throwaway character that we aren't going to see again. And Remember like, when I said he's, he's going to be back and we were laughing. Yeah, and like, who needs this bullshit? Now making him a legacy supervillain, I'm like, this is Pretty fun. Cool. And even getting a dupe on like Jaime Reyes for this inside knowledge about where this, you know, bag of tricks is being kept in court industries and seeing it like, you know, a dupe in Jaime Reyes being uh, able to get his way in there through him. Like, this is all really cool stuff. Not it is. Invasion. And it's, it's even the setting up. here doesn't have shit to do with you. I know. Well, yeah. And even the setting up because we don't really know much at all about Ted's sister. So when you have Victoria seems sus, you can go like that's a cool twist because we think, okay, we don't really know her. She probably is. This seems weird. But then it isn't. And then you twist back. But really, if if you're sitting there and there was an editor on this, they mean you were the editors. Uh, I think that the easy play would have been, okay, you have this fadeaway story. This continues. That's a cool way to get you to Ford Industries and Victoria, all that. Then you go play with that. You find Ziamora, all that. Then by the end, the sixth issue, have it where, oh, no, invasion, as you led up to that. And then if you end up having people into this, then we could get to that the next series after establishing and having fun with the character. You didn't do that. You went too big, too quick, and then you pulled it back. You can't pull back. You can't pull back invasion. You have an invasion coming. You can't then have people hanging out at a diner making jokes, and then it, it doesn't work that way. It's the Batman putting together a task force for an alien invasion that you're a part of, Jaime Reyes. Like, this is all interesting stuff that I want to see, but there's no way it's all going to feel. I, I, I get, oh, the thing is, I can't tell the future. Maybe it will all come together, but this is already it's a goofy issues. book, but I'm, I'm, I'm having fun with. I like the concepts, but I want to see the concepts, you know, spread out a bit so they can actually, like, be fleshed out a bit. We said the, the scarab uh, at the very beginning talking for about two seconds, and then that's, that's one of our things. One of the things that we end up getting upset about, they always do it. Oh, he can't talk to the scarab. In the meantime, in the first issue, you also have Batman and Superman say, you can't do Blue Beetle stuff, which you're never going to be able to do You're handicapping the character right out the get-go. Why would you do this? You're never going to, because he has done, but it never even plays out like, oh, look at him, the bad boy. He's doing it behind their backs, because even at the end, don't tell Batman. What? There's nothing. No, tell Batman. Batman knows. why do it at the beginning? Why isn't this where Batman at the end then sends it like we think, oh, this team's there, but the team's there because at the end, oh, there might be an invasion. We need to help, whatever. But everything is just thrown at you. And but some of the moments are good. Craziest part about it. I enjoy the anime style art that we have. Yeah, I this like whole it. Thing. And all the stuff that I'm bitching about being too crammed together, being stacked upon, stacked upon, stacked upon. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's stupid. I wish it were, we had more time, but I'm enjoying what we're doing. When you get in the court industries and you have this, you know, Ocean's Eleven type deal, and then you see Fade Away is all sus and goes off. I'm telling you, it was, I kind of rolled my eyes with Paco and Brenda where they just get escorted out after they break into court industries and all this stuff goes down. Don't you come back here again, kids. Oh, man, this is awesome. We should transfer here. And then you kind of get to the end. I'm like, all oh, right, what's here? going on? Yeah. And then, yeah. And, but again, fade away 
starting off in the regular deal, this could have led to here. You didn't have to have Jaime, oh, you're working in the diner because that, again, it does what I always, you know, complain about when you have menial labor jobs for a hero. You're not going to stick with those. You're not going to just see Jaime waiting tables. You're just going to show it occasionally. So, oh, yeah, he still has it. But you're not going to sit there for half an issue of him, you know, washing dishes. What you're going to do is want him at Court Industries, which you could have just had. Or you could have had. It's just, it's nonsense. Put him in a raft and wreck him. He had to stay. (laughs) There you go. Remember (laughs) that with all those shirts. You end up with, you know, the ants. Did we need that? I mean, really, of all the things happening, what are the ants doing? smooching this is what I see all the time. This is why that diner's failing. They're not paying attention. People are robbing them as they're smooching, I think. But they're, I don't know. They're not doing Actually. anything. They're not doing anything. They're making up the wreck them on a raft. <laughs> <laughs> I love those terms. It's a shame. If this book is one of those where it is a missed opportunity, maybe it can pull and itself around. Because I'm, I do, I like the version of Jaime here. It's just that Jaime's always, I mean, he is so all over the place because the story is he's bouncing from here to there. To well, he can't do anything because the suit can't do anything. So you're missing half the fun from the get go because he can't be Blue Beetle to the fullest degree. Even when he uses his power, it doesn't work right. He can't talk to the scarab, so you lose some of the fun in that. And now you're just dealing with a new situation, new locale, and not even dealing with the main invasion story that you're dealing with. But the stuff you are doing is fun to a degree. It just aggravates me that we can't deal with the main story that you've already set up in a way that you've already handicapped the character while introducing these other characters that I don't, don't fully understand. And a new backstory for the Reach where there's an offshoot called the Horizon who hate the Reach and are going to invade possibly Earth. And then the, you know, go get em squad. Now, if this would have been a play, you know what? Yes, yeah, uh, screw the invasion, but the idea fade away. And then Batman suddenly finds out, oh, my God, you know, Blue oh, Beetle's gone Force. bad. And then he makes this. Te- that could have been fun. I'm just happy that, like, uh, Black Condor's going to be a part. How often do you see fucking Black Condor do anything? Look at him there. He's looking good. He's there. It's a badass like, team. I don't know what Sam's doing right there. It seems like he's, pushing, ass. Seems like he's pushing his junk into the yeah. camera, right? He's like, what you going to do, man? Look at me. My junk. Well, if you got it. I do like the anime the style. The Zeus right down here, baby. At one point, Batman comes in and he's like, all right, everybody, pose off. <laughs> Look at, you end up having Wally, who's like, he thinks he's in a Sears underwear. He's stretching. It's about to run. He's there. He's Just imagine him as an underwear ad. And then you have Shazam should be like the guy trying to pretend he's throwing a football. Right? He's there. He's pushing his junk. Cyborg looks like he ain't didn't care about nobody's business. He's waiting for his book to come out. Jessica looks like she's like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> People like, remember I, me. Yeah, really. She's like, I'm back to green. Where's Simon Bass? I, I know. Poor Simon. How is Simon the unwanted child? I'm telling you, I hated the character when I first saw him in the new, like, uh, in the new 52. I know, yeah. And I started reading. The guy grew on me so much, and then they took him away. They just took him away from each other. Well, he was combined. Remember the combined lantern that Sam Humphreys made that we did nothing with? But it was funny. I was thinking about uh, Simon Baz the other day because of the idea that, okay, the Batman, what is that? Fast and the Furious going on before? You end up where you have the Batman. I have noise Holy crap. You have uh, Batman and the Green Lantern stuff. That continuity continued. But yet they still had to screw with Hal Jordan fans, and people kind of didn't love the idea of Simon Bass. We liked him. 
We actually did enjoy him. It seemed like he had more. Well, maybe one day he'll come home. He had some dimensions. He did. Well, you remember he has that emerald sight for some reason that oh, does yeah. things. They, these two, him and Jessica, who knows what the hell they have and don't have. But we really like Jessica from the beginning, too, sure especially with Power Ring stuff. That they kind of just pushed to the side. God, Jessica Cruz powering was so cool. Yeah, it was. That whole idea. Like, you really actually, you got to give her credit. She seems to have gotten rid of that anxiety. You haven't really dealt with that in a while now. Well, she used her own fear against other people as a yellow lantern. That's how you get over it. Turn your fears into other people's fears. And now she's back. Unfortunately, thank God she didn't become a red lantern and have to fly into the sun. Get her heart back out. But, you know, that's that, super girl. She would die. That'd be funny if she's like, I'm going to do what Supergirl did. No, you're dead. That's not how that works. <laughs> you're dead. That's not how it worked uh, over there. Where's the blood pool? Where's the blood pool party? Let's get going. But yeah, I love the pose off. What's that rage seed? <laughs> yeah, really. There's Batman who's like, hey, I'm here and all the bats. Like, It looks cool, though. It looks very much a manga anime style that I do like. It really does fit this book. I think it does fit it, it does. well. Paco, that guy is stacked. That guy oh my is God, what is he doing? and everything else. I want his He's number. He's getting ready for college. He's reinventing himself. Slay. What's your number, buddy? And he said 69. How dare <laughs> oh, my. you? Oh, God. I do like to point out, too, at least Brenda got rid of them skin tabs. She's looking a That's lot better. That's just Scott Collins. Ah, uh, yes. But uh, what would you give this? Ultimately, I think the art's fine. I, I like the story that we're getting. It's just way over the top scattered for what we started the, the whole you know series with the invasion, which is the most interesting angle. I just wish we could like stay on track, even though I, I like some of the stuff again. But because of these ideas, I'm giving it a 6.8 out of 10. Now, I'm going to give it a 6.5, but there are some things here that I really wish could be developed more. And, and none of them are, for me, the invasion. I actually like the idea of the horizon. I like the idea of these other beetles, see how that ends up being a deal. But, the, you know, starting off, reach invasion. Oh, no, you have this. And then all of a sudden... You know, the fadeaway stuff could be cool, but you don't have enough room for that. You get Black Condor, which I actually thought was pretty cool by the end as well. But do we have enough time for that? And everything's thrown in. And just no. to have an issue where, all right, we had fadeaway and Paco and Brenda that weren't in the stuff. Oh, let's bring them to the town. Now you're just kind of admitting that you should have never have done that. That is a shame. But we're just making weird choices. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to the next book, which is, again, something that you might be liking a little more than me. And I think, again, there's too much of a focus on other things other than the main character. But tell me what it is. Sir. It is Punchline, the Gotham game, number five, written by Teeny Howard with Blake Howard, with art by Gleb Melnikov. Uh, yeah, Melnikov. For some reason, I thought I was saying that wrong because I used to say it wrong. But Luis Guerrero and Becky Carey. <laughs> and in this, the thing I've been waiting for all month is... Punchline and the Royal Flush game, uh, Gang versus the Gentleman's Club being led by Black Mask with associated by Scarface and Which Tiger you did Shark. send me right away that you love the idea that Scarface. I read this this morning. And he's like, you stupid gitch. <laughs> yeah, that is hilarious. That is such a clever way to be able to say <laughs> the curse word without saying it because it works. Ventriloquist is yell at him for language. <laughs> yeah, and he might be done. It looks like, it looks like he well, just got destroyed. That's the thing is. I like the art in this book, but when, you know, when King goes and slashes through Scarface and I'm like, I can't tell what happened to the ventriloquist's hands there. Did he cut his fingers off? Did he cut like down the center of his hand there? I don't know. It just looks like ventriloquist and Scarface are out of the Gotham game right now. Yeah, it looks like they're no longer in the Gotham game. Uh, but again, you have this book where 
Yeah, I mean, we've set all this stuff up with the Royal Flush Gang, but I'm not that concerned with them. That's just me, but I don't know how everybody else is. What are you talking is. about? I'm the Deuce of Diamonds. I want to see more. <laughs> You're the Deuce of the, the I just started Desert. Out. Uh, I want to end up where I want to see more punchline. And even when you start out, it's funny that you do start out with this whole deal that has been driving you nuts, even in the, the Catwoman book. With this whole Ventura Fremont, and she's going down and looking. She's getting to the bottom of things. She's getting to the bottom of things. She's looking like, look, I think this was a setup, and this burned here, but didn't burn there. The one, the one cool thing about Ventura Fremont going over the wreckage once he got an Ace Chemical within Alleytown, the idea that she is seeing these things, and it seems like this, there was a deliberate like like uh, explosion that was set up in a certain way. The idea of Selena Kyle, she was there. She took the rap for murder and all this stuff, you know, but. Ventura Fremont, the assistant DA, she wants to pin all of this on Punchline, but it's such a weird idea. Why would Punchline blow up her own building that she was using these things for out of dr- like you know for drugs and all these other things? It goes along with what we saw previously, where it does seem like you know where Punchline has an agenda to a degree. For what we saw, she still is this agent of chaos, and it seems like maybe while she does have an agenda, agenda, there's something else in her mind that's making her pretty much be her own worst enemy and being the wild card against her will, where she did do these things to blow it all up, to create this chaos, even though it seems like it goes against what she originally wanted. I kind of like when she was on the Twitters and the Instagrams, eh? getting everybody riled up. But in this, I, I, I just sit here, and as I'm reading it, though, I'm thinking, are you pushing Punchline enough to actually get people still on board to continue after this? And I don't know that but the Royal Flesh in town, Gang, uh, again, that seems like a, all right, we're almost done this. We've got to get desperate and throw it's, the joke What are you in, talking but, about? This is what this book has been doing so far. It has been tying into the greater Gotham and so, with all these different stories, and I think it works really well. with. Like, I, I'm telling you, I, I think it would work a little bit better with what we did with Catwoman and like the punchline, Alleytown, and all that stuff and how we're going back and forth with it. But also tying in the Joker, the man who stopped laughing, like, that's pretty cool too. And I honestly, because we saw in that book what Harley Quinn thought about the man who stopped laughing Joker, the faux Joker. I want to know what a punchline thinks about it. But that's the thing about all this and who knows what the faux Joker is. And we haven't even explained that in its own book. And this has one more issue left, so it's not going to be in this book. And the thing about this whole play is even... I'm already at a point where you got to get, you can't just have punchline tying in constantly with the Joker. If you end up having the Joker show up in the Harley book, every Harley fan loses their mind. We don't need this anymore. This is bullshit. And having this at the end to be the conclusion, I just thought you're taking steps backward because I just, I'm not real interested in Royal Flush Gang leader punchline. But we're already past the jet, and now you're bringing it back. Well, I, just, I don't think now, the focus is very well is on this. Who to she continue. wants to be? But are we going fi- to ever find that out? Because this book isn't selling; it's not selling at all. And I think that this might be the end. We might have her in, you know, side things, and maybe in that Brave and the Bold, you'll get a, a punchline story and hopefully get people back on board with it. But I just don't think that this hit hard enough to get people involved. That if you want to get the character and evolve and get more books you have to convince people who don't like the character actually like her and i don't think this did it i don't think this idea of hey i have my drugs but i blew this up and then i had this hey io come in a lot of these characters were never developed zero. and you end up where you have that thing i still think it's io uh but yeah all this stuff going down i'm just not that interested anymore but it will bring a lot of like fans of the Royal Flush Gang from the animated series of the Justice League and How stuff like that. How many people are sitting there, even with the animated series? Do you think there's that many people who are like, I got to get this book because the Royal Flush Gang? No, no, no. 
No, no, no. You can let me finish for a second. I'll tell you because the idea that that android ace character that a lot of people love from Batman Beyond shows up here in a new way with the whole nanotechnology. And I was actually really pleasantly surprised to see this version of it. Where even like Dick Gray's like, oh, he's just a dumb android. Don't worry, I can swivel his neck off right here. And it's this new version where the nanites, you know, move around the nanotechnology and like, uh, and then it duplicates itself, and it's this gigantic threat that starts wrecking house on all the people that Black Mass sent to, like, uh, Punchline's, you know, headquarters to kill everybody. I thought that was a really exciting moment to show what Ace's role was, because for the longest time, you know, we had one Zero who was the technical, like, whiz that, like, Punchline was using. We had nanotechnology using for um, that one character as well. The idea that we kept talking about Aces, I'm like, eh, Aces just being this flying nano thing wasn't great. But when you actually see it come together to become the Ace Android, I'm like, this looks really fucking cool. Yeah, it just, again, I don't have any connection to that, and I don't know how many people do. But a lot do, of people do. But I don't know how many people are you, uh, you have to assume then that all those people were already reading this book, which nobody is, and then go with the idea, oh, they'll know this, we'll wink, wink at them. I don't think anybody's going to say, oh, my God, you have that character here. I'm going to buy this issue because I'm a fan of Batman Beyond or anything like that. I think that it's, again, I, I, think, this, I just think it's cool as a fan I think of this whole deal is a it. full misplay because really the least focus on any character in this entire issue is punchline. You barely get any punchline. She's yelling at one point and then, yeah, they take her down. And throw her in the garbage. The, the entire mob of you know Gotham at this point in time. I'm telling you, but in that, the focus, there's pretty much really one page that she really gets it when she's there and she's like, now let's show these posers what the Royal Flesh Gang's all about, but I'm not getting much punchline in it. And so by the end, with the misplay of that trial, then going to there, I think that this Royal Flesh Gang stuff was a big, big you know deal that they should have never even got. I wish she would have had Punchline by herself. And I don't mind the Royal Flush Gang angle because you need something for her to do with a, a team behind her outside of the clowns just, you know, that we have around Gotham. I thought this was a cool stepping stone because even with what we're doing now and the idea that I'm getting from the book with the idea that there's something in her mind that's not allowing her to continue on with what she's been doing, you know, with, with the Royal Flush Gang, the drugs and all this different stuff. I think this is a stepping stone to get her past this point into some new era. And I think that photo yeah, from the Men's Stop Life is going to help getting there. I just got because the they, idea. They even leave her to die at the end. I just got the idea that she was doing this as part of her crazy plan that, you know, I'll make them think this. I mean, I never even thought that she's trying to, you know, sabotage herself or anything. Well, that's what because it seemed I barely, like with Ventura Fremont's I barely can tell what, well, I'm saying, yeah, it, all it is is why would she blow up her own building? But. I've seen this before. You could be doing that because it's a dupe of something else or, you know, she's smart enough to know that this is the way to go. I didn't think that it was her. Oh, my God, she's crazy. She doesn't know what she's doing and she's her own worst enemy. I didn't get anything like that. I just there's a thing that you, happened I, in the last issue that made me think of that too, as well. I, I wish I could remember what it was off the top of my head. but I know there was something, a talking point that we discussed about some concepts that we saw. I, I've been on board with this book, but I thought that by this point, we have one more issue. You get the Joker at the end to be like, oh, wow, the Joker. And I just thought it seemed like a desperation move. And we didn't really get much of Punchline in this penultimate issue. I wanted to get done this series to have an idea of, a, oh, man, that was such a good Punchline story. I need more kind of have, have done. And I hate to say it with I love Punchline loving this and all. I don't want to upset them, but. I think it's one of those where I wish that this book was more than what it is. I think that we're seeing, again, Teeny Howard writing something that she ends up just meandering, and now she has to finish, and we get Joker. And I think that wasn't enough for an entire series here. But 
We'll see how it goes. What would you give it? Ultimately, at the end, we do have Punchline fall into the garbage after being shot by Black Mass. The Royal Flush Gang do leave her to die, and she is found by the faux Joker who stands, who's walking by with a freaking like a garbage, you know, a uh, a, a shopping cart, being like, "It's a damn shame when people be throwing fine white girls away like yeah, this." That's but what when you <laughs> better off dead. It is, and it gets me actually excited about what we have from not only the finale of this book, but we have going forward in The Man Who Stopped Laughing, because I want to find out more of that. I do want to see what her take is with this Joker and how it actually might change her with the character that she may become leaving this book. I think the art's great. I enjoyed this fight. And the stuff with uh, actually saving Cullen Rowe with Nightwing and Harper, I thought was the weakest part overall, but I'm giving it a 7.8 out of 10. I am a 5.5. I, I like the art enough. It was confusing at points, but even like this is the thing the stuff in the Catwoman with Ventura Fremont I could care less about Ben Yabbit here I could care less about it here I just want stories and both of these things Catwoman and this book that Teeny Howard are doing they're not doing anything in my mind you're not really giving me character work or the character that you could push forward and I think that it's a shame that you're going to get that play of well you know the character's not that great I don't think that she's being written very well and the focus is definitely not on her and tying in and trying to rely on that Matthew Rosenberg piece of shit, uh, you know, the Joker book that we have, what, five issues and we haven't learned shit on shit. I think that that's another thing. I don't think we're going to get much answers of what we look for, but we'll see. We can uh, find out. That's a vendetta, but we'll go on and maybe this will tie in at the end and I'll be like, man, that really kicked ass at the end and I want more punchline. But at this point, I'm kind of like, this seems like it's already two issues too long, this miniseries, because of the way that Teeny Howard is writing it and the pacing of it overall. But we'll move on to the last book. And I hated this one. So I, it's not like Punchline was the worst book that I read this week, because this Harley Quinn book well, always Tim Drake. going with Tim Drake. They're all bullshit. And this is the idea of I did end up talking to some people this week on Twitter. It wasn't arguing, but talking about the idea. You know, as DC and you know, having problems. Okay, and this person ended up saying, "There's no good DC books." And then I said, "Well, there's a, but they then admitted they haven't read them, and there are good yeah. books. There are better books now. There are some, you know, top level, but there's a big drop in a lot of these to go down to this bullshit. And now we have a Harley Quinn book that Stephanie Phillips ending, and then Teeny Howard's going to jump on, and I'm not really. Teeny Howard's one of those. She seems to have a job because she hits deadlines, and she's easy to work with. And I could see that when I read the issues, for the most part, even me getting upset about Punchline, it's not like I hated it. It just doesn't do anything for me. I don't ever have that idea at the end. Oh, I have to keep going. But Stephanie Phillips at points, we really enjoyed, well, again, Catwoman. I end up finishing that book and I'm like, this is bullshit and I don't need it. And I'll just read the next one when it comes out. I don't look forward to it. And the Punchline deal, I think it should be a lot more and it's just meandering. But the Stephanie Phillips, Harley Quinn, we liked at one point. But when it's bad, it is bad. And then this is bad. It's Harley Quinn. Hey, everybody, did you like the finale to the She-Hulk series on Disney Plus? Well, then you'll love the finale of Stephanie Phillips, Harley Quinn. You end up having let's break the fourth wall and be meta. meta. Let's also throw in every sort of the blank who laughs. We'll we'll just throw it in. Multiversal nonsense that is so overdone. Even the idea of like a Zach Morris timeout to start talking to the reader as well to like, you know, do all this stuff. Like, all right, let's just imagine that the ending here is like, you know, I know we broke the multiversal like, you know, door opener that we had previously, but let's just imagine that she, like the Harley Quinn device had another one right here so we could do this and just solve all the problems that we painted ourselves into a corner doing. So let's just imagine that happened instead. 
the best part of that is if I ended up and I presented the story. So it was like the ending of Wayne's World. The problem is, and that's a good example. You know what the problem is? Wayne's World up until that point was really good. So when you end up at the end doing that, it ends up being a joke. But you already enjoyed yourself. So the joke ends up being a meta deal that you laugh. You also get a real ending. Yeah, and then you get a real ending. But you, and there it is. You enjoyed the movie. You had a little play, even did Scooby-Doo. Day, and then you have a good. This is a bunch of a nonsense, a bunch of bullshit. To then, like, what corner are you painting yourself into? Because it's bullshit. So by the end, you're like, I didn't get a good thing. Like, if you're going to play this idea. How am I trying to explain this? If you're going to fuck around and get out of something. Well, you're going to find out. Then go full out. Go, like, make it so that at one point me and you are like, how the fuck is this happening? Oh, my God, it's so funny. It's so great. But it doesn't make it. Oh, okay, you're going to do that. Okay, you played it out. But this is like nothing to then go and say, oh, I'm going to time out Zach Morris and I'm going to get this because I can use that. You never did it right in the first place. So you're fixing a problem that was already just bullshit. The, the problem wasn't the corner that you painted. The problem was the bullshit that you were writing that just wasn't interesting. And you end up at the end where I think that the big epiphany was Stephanie Phillips thought that I will end up ending this by saying every Harley needs an Ivy. I mean, how many times That's have ridiculous. we seen this? We've seen it in Rick and Morty. We've seen it in all these things. It's not interesting. It's not original. And it doesn't make sense here. It really does. But even the idea that we have here, because if you remember the last issue, we ended on the cliffhanger where we're alluring the Harley Quinn who laughed to this doc with all the other multiversal Harleys because the Harley Quinn who laughed wants to kill all the other Harleys almost along the lines of the movie The One, I want to think. But I don't understand what kind of power she's getting Highlander style. She just wants to murder everybody else. But when she kidnapped, you know, when she, when she came to the doc to go and meet Harley that they made her out, she had kidnapped Ivy. Like, oh, my God, that's Ivy. And then all the other Harleys of the multiverse, no, that's my Ivy. No, that's my Ivy. I know my Ivy anywhere. Then our Harley Quinn says, hey, where's your Ivy? And then the Harley Quinn who last who was murdered Harley before, before she was brought back with Lazarus pencil, like resin. She's like, <laughs> I lost my Harley in my own world. And that's what I like. That doesn't even come along the lines of that's why I'm doing this now. But what I want to know is. Yeah, like she's what, jealous that everybody else what, has a Harley or a Ivy that she doesn't. But it doesn't play. Who that is way. this Harley and what happens to her? I mean, who is this Ivy, uh, this Ivy that she's kidnapped? Where did it come from? I don't know. And I say it, but where did she come from? And what, did, what should we do with her? You have a villain. You have a Harley that lasts, the villain, right? Who even knows where the fuck she came from and what caused it? But even then, we don't. And that's all it is. And again, reading the room, nobody wants this. So if you're going to throw that in. open up a doorway to that, it's fine. And go back Even that, if you're going to do that, make it some sort of clever thing and you don't. And so by the end, there is no real reason. You said it. There is no any sort of motivation that we know of that the Harley who laughs is actually doing what she's doing. She's just going and killing Harleys to then be told, oh, man, you don't have an Ivy. That's your problem. But that was never played out. And like you said, at one point. And then point, we go back to her world. Oh, there's your Ivy. She's fine. Oh, my God. This is great. I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. I'm, I'm done doing the doings. You, you know, Harley Quinn, who laughs, you have taught me a lesson. Hey, Kevin, I know you've been the heart of this book. And you've gotten really nothing to do in this entire finale, which is a goddamn shame. But I'm going to go find you. Ivy. Yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> Yeah, you don't even have a good ending for Kevin. 
the speaking of which is the guy who brought her back to life. She would have been nothing been here. This character, the ultimate character in this Harley Quinn run, a character that I despised during the Riley Rosmo era of the like the art during this whole thing, but eventually grew on me, even uh, against the idea that I hated the art. And then I ended up thinking this character is great. You and I both loved him, and then he just fell to the wayside. Here he is in the finale, and it means nothing ultimately. She does the Harley left does grab Ivy, but which you know doesn't even make sense in the current continuity. But even so. It never came but about. Of, well, and, and it never came about with the. Well, I want this Ivy because I don't have one, so you don't get one. And in the end, why is it that Stephanie Phillips goes so surface level nonsense with this? Everyone needs an Ivy. No, no. You know what? Everybody needs a family, and you had this here, Ivy included. But Kevin, you know Solomon Grundy, all of these characters that you built together, a Luke. Fox, even where's the parasite alien? Like, yeah, where is all this stuff going on? You just end with like the most Goodbye, bullshit ending. Lady, the bullshit ending. And hey, I get Passover next time. All right, you said it. You did that. Okay, I'll give you credit. But she's Jewish. Cool. In the you meantime, you're just going through what ends up being an issue where you, I think she thinks that she's giving a good ending. What you're doing is showing. That everything that you wrote up until now was just complete and utter bullshit, and you don't care about it because the big heart of the book was Kevin. The big heart of the book was Harley trying to be a hero when nobody would accept that. All of these things playing around her, ex- her accepting all these people that were looked down nope. upon, that were the going to go back to the before Ivy. Oh, everyone needs an no. You end up where you're just like, eh, I'll just throw that out there because that seems like fans like. Here's here's a little tip there. And it might be with Katie Howard's going on the new Dawn of DC with Harley Quinn number 28, but this this the situation just can't be left. Yeah, I'll give you another thing is the people that I end up following and talking about both on Twitter and on YouTube really have been sick of any Harley that we've had for the past couple of years and hate this just as much. And these seem to be big Harley fans. They aren't in just so at the end doing this, you're not winning them over. You, you've done your bullshit throughout. And this book has been like a weird deal at one point. It was kind of selling, then it really tanked. Then it got back, then During it the tanked. Weekly series of yeah, Luke then Fox. it went up a little, then it tanked, and now it's just, it's not selling well. And it's one of those things. I'm a Harley fan. I'm the resident Harley fan on this podcast. Yeah. Not, not as much anymore, but I still like the character, and I'm along with. A lot of people, she just has to be put away for a little. You need to get people to want and pine for her again, not just shove shit down their throats. And this seems like a lot of shoving down their throats in a way that, again, it's a character that is very sketchy to write. You can end up having a lot of fun, but you might lose track of what. And I think that when we started this whole thing in Future State, Stephanie Phillips seemed to have a grip on the character a bit, even jumping between the different kind of versions of it. And then she just went yeah. straight up dumbass Harley, who's going to, you know, nothing break the fourth wall. ever top Kevin, Harley Quinn, and Solomon Grundy yeah. as a team. And yet, you don't get that at the end. Boom. Boom. <laughs> that was great. That was so good. In this again, also, she's going to end up, hey, if I'm going to break the fourth wall, let's do nonsense like that classic. I'm surprised that she didn't rail on pineapple on fucking pizza. Who cares? You know, hey, I said no ketchup. Only assholes put ketchup on hot dogs. Really? I it's look, true. Yeah, it's true. I don't know art and story combined. Look at what the fuck looks like on that hot dog. I don't know what the hell is it. And especially a girl that's from Coney Island. 
if you're going to get anything, she's just going to have mustard on it. If she is against, you know, the whole ketchup. I look at there. It looks like there's a goddamn salad on that hot dog. That's bullshit. You know, oh, but ketchup. No ketchup, though. Let's draw the line. <laughs> I, ended up, I draw the line. I ended up seeing that, and I did go off, and I even have these things where I looked up, and I wanted to see, you know, like Ranker or something that would list some of the most popular toppings on a hot dog. And nowadays, I'm telling you, it's one bit of bullshit after the other, but yet no ketchup. You end up having just these fancy nonsense things, and yet no ketchup. It's nonsense. It's stupid. And I did go and look, and it wasn't, I think it was the Martin Company. That is a local company around us, and it's like Martin Rolls. They end up doing rolls and potato chips. Their second most, you know, deal, they say mustard is the number one deal. Number two, ketchup. And then number three, relish. There you go. And then whatever you want to put. And again, it's not one of those things that I think, oh, you can't put this or whatever on a hot dog. I put a lot of different crazy stuff on a hot dog. I love the idea of chili and coleslaw that some people don't like it. I ended up telling you about it. You tried it and you liked it. So I don't mind it, you know, whatever. But the idea of no, it's so lame now. No ketchup. It's like the idea of pineapple on pizza. We get it. Everybody wants chicken and pineapple pizza before we had the podcast tonight. There you go. You're an asshole, Eric. But it's it's like that. Like people think that they're so funny. You're there. Oh, my God. I'm going to. They're only stirring up one person. Me. I'm like, I know you're triggered. I I sit there and I'm like, who the fuck cares? That's basically the deal. This isn't as crazy as, say, putting green peppers on what you call a Philly cheese thing. That's nonsense, Eric. But this, you know, screw it. And that's what you're going to do. That that actually is one of the few scenes with Kevin. He's running behind. I want him to go, who cares what they put on hot dogs? What the fuck? In the end, all the Harleys are sent back to the respective universes, except for Mermaid Harley, who continues to stay in the oceans of this earth. And we end the story of Stephanie Phillips' run on Harley Quinn with with um, Zaz Zaz. still being tied up, saying, "Is anybody going to untie me?" Yeah, it's just—I mean, that's nonsense. Uh, You you do. We didn't know if we were going to get the Mermaid Harley again, but again, this just seemed like such a misplay. It's like. It almost felt like, you know, you're telling a story, you're leading to an end, but they ended up saying, oh, by the way, we're going to give you three issues. We're only going to give you one. Finish this. Okay. Break the fourth wall meta. Hey, time out, Zekta. And then you go. Boom. I'm telling you, leave all the multiversal stuff alone. When Harley Quinn was killed and Kevin went like went to hell and back to bring her back, and it seemed like she came back wrong, this was a compelling story that you could have done something with the redemption of Harley Quinn, continuing the idea of your entire theme to your story. And he went to a wacky place and never came back. And that whole that whole beginning of the story that really compelled me fell to the wayside. I agree. And I have no idea and why. And the wackiness, like you said, you had the basis of the heart of the book. Kevin ended up, in, and maybe just having a story where Kevin has to make sure that Harley's okay and make sure that she you know, gets that. Whatever it might be, and kind of tying everything in, but in this, it's just... You can have fun, you'd be wacky, but don't lose the heart. And it lost the heart, so by the end, big misplay. But what would you give this? Fuck you, five. Oh, my, Eric. Fuck you, chicken strips. I'm going chicken strips, too. It's fuck you, five for me. Uh, The hell with it. What is your book of the week? My book of the week is Stargirl, The Lost Children, number four. That was my book of the week as well, Eric. That was a pretty good one. And and I still do suggest that Almost. people... Almost. Punchline the Gotham game. Yeah, not me. Yeah, I end up where I think <laughs> that people should check out a bunch of these books, you know, that came out this week and every week. I mean, especially the stuff that's Dawn at DC. I'll give everybody... I know people won't listen, but maybe we should all check out Harley Quinn 28. 
see how that goes with Tini Howard. It's gone to DC. Maybe things could be great. I don't know. Hopefully, Punchline ends up in a way that I'm like, yeah, I want to see more of the character. Right now, I'm kind of bored with that book and her, which is a shame. But, you know, even the other things, I'm just going down the list. Blue Beetle could have been better. Yeah. It's, it's a cool book. That's something that I would suggest people still read and save the app. If you have the app and you don't want to spend money on it, check it out because there is something there. It just isn't focused enough. But with all that, what is next week, Eric? Well, it's another week of books is what it is. I don't know why you ask me what next week is, Eric. It's just over here. For some some reason, guy, I ended up where I had the list and it disappeared. Oh, my goodness gracious. For some reason. Here's what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, Dawn of DC book coming out. Maybe more than one. Let me look. No, we'll see. We'll see as I read these, Eric, right, as it loads up. Two of these books will be. On the Patreon spotlight to get involved with that, go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. And every Thursday night, me and Eric get together in an episode, two books. It could last between an hour, two hours. Who knows there? Who knows the craziness that might ensue? But here's what we have. Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number one. A lot Hooray. of people ended up not loving the idea that John Kent was Superman. But here he's on his own. He's going with Valsad. They're going to the most. I think there might be a we lot some going, on. Shit going on. There might be too much going on. You got the blue electric stuff. I don't know. Stuff. I look forward to it. Injustice universe. You have the whole Ultraman. You got Valsad. Hooey. But I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. All these things I look forward to, though. I just hope it's not too much with a guy in Tom Taylor that likes to meander a bit, likes to, you know, do things. One of the, like, each of the things I mentioned, I think, seem pretty cool. I mean, I, yeah. I know that a lot of people I saw this week, especially before this one asshole blocked me, Eric, but he doesn't like the blue Superman, you know, the blue red, but that actually... Oh, he's a, he's a red uh, Superman kind of guy. No, nah, he's an asshole, oh. is what he is. He oh. thinks he's a fan. He's a, he's a guy who... Yeah, this guy will change his fandom more times than I change my underwear. Oh, I got you. I never change my underwear, Eric. I wear underwear. Exactly. So it doesn't matter. But you don't wipe your ass so all your fucking pants smell like shit. Cross the streams there, Eric, and the Jimmy who laughs just came out and he wants to kill me. Really, if the Jimmy oh if the Jimmy who laughs came out, I'd be fucking frightened because there's never in any of the multiverse any Jimmy who laughs. Uh, but the Avengers Superman Junkhead, like Injustice, I know a lot of people, you know, get up in arms about that, but that interests me. Falzad going and trying to see who is killing off. That's cool. Ultraman stuff with John. That's awesome. Like everything seems so awesome. I hope there's enough room for it. But we have Batman 133. We continue the Chip Zdarsky deal, and I'm looking forward to that as well. Let's get back to a world without a Batman. But wait, there might be a A Batman. A world without a Batman that has a Batman because it's the Batman, right? But it's the Bat God that ends up there, guy. Actually, the guy who ended up. I hope that he listens. I don't even know. But the guy who ended up telling me about this whole crossover also gives me a lot of info about the upcoming Batman stuff. <laughs> hey, guy. <laughs> oh, it makes me laugh. Uh, Batman, the Joker, the Deadly Duo, number five. Your favorite book on the shelf right now. How many of those are there? I think there is seven. I think it's one wow. of those like where you at one point called out Hyperton, but think maybe eight maybe eight i don't know monkey prince number 12 that ends the series finale we like that book too i hope that it ends well goodbye marcus we'll never see you again (laughs) it ends well marcus off you go marcus is like what 
what happened? I ended up being a big thing on this Lazarus planet. Oh, no. It feels like it's like he got his big chance in a bullshit thing, and now it's going to affect me. Poison Ivy number 10. Way we go, Eric. It's ongoing now. Yeah, here we go. Remember, it's going to go back to Gotham, which I think is a misplay, and also the Harley. Well, every Ivy needs a Harley, and vice versa. But yeah, you're going to have that. Plus, you have that HR lady. She's really involved. One of my favorite breakout characters of all, HR lady. Is it Jenny or Janet? I can't remember. I wanted to say, (laughs) it's funny, I wanted to say Janine, but I think it's Janet. Maybe Janine? No, I think it's Janet. Janet. I think Janet. You know, HR puffin' stuff, we'll call her. Yeah. Off we go. She seems to have eyes for Ivy, but Ivy only has eyes for Harley, but Harley has eyes for you. Yeah, see? That's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, guy. It's the Flash 794. <laughs> we continue the one minute war. Uh, we've I been like enjoying it. that, so do I. That's another one that I, I just wish that Jeremy Adams was going to continue. Maybe out of nowhere, it'll end up where he does. And then it'll make me look like the asshole that me and you both look like with the doomsday clock things back in the day where we get told by big people, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. The continuity. Oh, really? That guy? Scott Snyder? It doesn't? Scott Snyder, how many times did he tell us, oh, it's nothing? And then he's the one who had the interview that said it did. I'm like, you son of a gun. I'm in. The Joker, the man who stopped laughing, number six. I suddenly I went oh, the man who stopped smiling so much. Yeah, it's the Joker, the man who stopped pretending that he was this sus guy with the, the shot. He stopped laughing. I still am compelled to find out what's going on here. I would like a story to go involve that, but I still want to find you out the mystery. You sit there and say that. I just want the thing to start. Like I, I'm compelled to maybe get the. I don't even know what it started. It's just continuing to start. Yeah, nonstop. but then, I don't even know where this. At one point, that other Joker seemed like he was just hanging in Hollywood. Then he seemed to have things all around. Then that kind of got pulled back. I don't know what's going on. And now he's finally coming back to Gotham because if you want a job done, you got to do it yourself. Yeah, maybe the. I wish that some writer out there would think of that and take over the book from that Matthew Rosenberg. That guy stinks. I don't like him at all. I think he's the I, I think he's the worst. I think that this is a guy who we we make fun of. Say, hey, Joshua Williamson, he can't end a, a you know an arc or a story very well. By the time a Matthew Rosenberg book ends, you don't even know what the fuck book you were reading. It doesn't even seem like that. That test course Z by the end, I don't even know what happened throughout that whole deal. That how we ended, got the how we ended. It was just oh god. Ah, uh, but two of those books will be on the spotlight. I'm going to guess they're probably wrong. I'm going to guess that it'll be The Flash and Adventures of Superman John Kent would be my pick. But The Monkey Prince, maybe. Also, Poison Ivy, that, that's a pretty good one. And also The I'm Batman saying, Joker Deadly Duel. <laughs> Just name I'm them saying all. it's going to be John, John Kent. Yeah, and, I think um, that that will definitely be the deal. Monkey Prince number 12. Maybe. They, it is kind of a cool way that the the badasses, they do tend at some points to pick a really big book. And then kind of a niche book that we like. So that would be a good pick with the I feel Monkey, like Monkey Prince. Prince has been majority on the Patreon spotlight, though. I don't know, guy. I don't know how things go. I have no idea. Now you with that guy, I'm going to start just going around the house saying that the, everybody two here. Bros. What's up, guy? Because of two bros, guy. But yeah, that is it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Hey, what's going on, guy? You can go and follow us on Twitter at uh, Weird Science DC. Follow us, we'll follow you back. Go and check out our website that is weird science dc comics.com where you can get reviews from gabe he likes things right you got gabe 
And then uh, there you go. And then at the end, uh, go over to our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics, and then also our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can help us out for all the things that we do here on the regular feed. If you listen to all of our podcasts, the Marvel and manga, all that, but you'll get more podcasts on our Patreon, a lot of DC stuff, and then some Marvel manga there as well. So check that out. That is that. Eric, what do we say at the end of the podcast? Everybody have a great week. Keep it weird. Weird. And we'll see you in seven. See you in seven. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.